And now, introducing out of Perry Hall High School, UMBC, and the University of Maryland, weighing in at 168 pounds, the curling super middleweight champion of the world, he is Glenn Clark. Good morning, it is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Papa Cass is here, but I have her um, on assignment. I got a little bit of an issue with the cord, and uh, you know, I don't know if you all have heard cords cost a little bit. The old Apple companies figured out a way to get you. Oh, yeah, no problem. You don't need a new computer. You just need a new cord. It'll cost you $500. Not really, but it's not far off. It ain't far off. A lot to do on a Tuesday edition of the program. Coming up, we're going to chat with Maryland women's lacrosse coach Kathy Reese. They're back in the NCAA tournament. One of a few area teams that are in the NCAA women's tournament, Loyola. Uh, hosting as well. Maryland's hosting, and they don't have to play on Friday. They are uh, they got a bye into Sunday. Loyola is hosting. Um, Johns Hopkins made the NCAA tournament, as did Mount St. Mary's make the NCAA tournament. We will talk to Kathy Reese about her team in just a couple of minutes. We will begin our new weekly. You know, we did a weekly NFL draft segment leading up to the draft. We're going to do the same thing with the MLB draft since the Orioles hold the number one pick. Our first weekly MLB draft segment will involve Kylie McDaniel from ESPN. He will join us here in a bit, talk about the Orioles' options. There is not a consensus. There are people that will tell you that they believe that Drew Jones, Andrew Jones' son, is the top prospect in this draft. There are others that will say, yeah, man. It's not a – you remember there was even some debate about Adley Rutschman in relation to Bobby Witt Jr. It's not even like coalesced around two guys just yet going into this particular draft. We're, we're not even at that place just yet when it comes to this. Tamar Johnson is still in the conversation. Um, Elijah Green's name still comes up. Uh, I know that um, MLB Pipeline did a mock draft recently, and they still had the Orioles taking Brooks Lee, the um, uh, infielder from Cal Poly who's been a shortstop but probably isn't really a shortstop. They had him going with the Orioles' number one pick. Now, some of that, of course, was them saying, hey, look, all the Orioles do is take college bats, so we're not going to assume suddenly that they're not going to take a college bat. Um, but there's a, there's still some discrepancy about what it is the Orioles might do with the number one pick. We will talk with Kylie McDaniel about all of that. Also this morning, Patrick Stevens joins us. We will have our weekly chat with our college sports guru um, and stuff and things coming up uh, leading into Simply the Bets at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. We do Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. And every other Thursday morning, we bring you Weekend at Bookies. Simply the Bets every Tuesday, Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel, Maryland. couple of things this morning before we uh, get to Kylie McDaniel. One, uh, the Baltimore Ravens have signed a running back. Boy, we really have all sorts of packaging tape and no duct tape, huh? we got to do something about that, Cass. What are we going to do about that? What are, you, what, are you, what are you prepared to do in order to solve this problem? What are you prepared to... Go buy duct tape. No, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> if we're going to do that or not. We'll see. Um. Anyway, the Baltimore Ravens have signed a running back. They did exactly what you guys asked. You wanted a wide receiver, and they got you a running back. Because, look, Mike Davis is coming to Baltimore. Mike Davis, who was the starter going into last season in Atlanta, 
and struggled. Let's just be frank about it. He struggled. Um, had had some success previously in San Francisco. He was just released by the Falcons. Um, I, there is no reason to overreact to this. The Ravens are going to go through some offseason activities here in the coming months. They have three injured running backs. They have a rookie, sixth-round pick, and Tyler Beatty. They would like to have enough bodies to be able to use during their offseason activities. I can't believe for even a second that they told Mike Davis that he is definitively part of the plans for the year. As much as they're a team that learned from last year that things can change in a heartbeat. So, whatever it means, Mike Davis is another body for right now. I, there's, there's no way there was any actual money involved. I mean, I cannot fathom. I, I guess a lot of people would say, why now? Well, because we're only a couple of weeks away from OTAs. And because they want to be able to run their offense and get everybody else involved in OTAs. It, it, that's it. That's the end of it. I, 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 I haven't even done the math here. I'm, was Mike Davis in San Francisco when Greg Roman was there? Mike Davis. Years in San Francisco were 2015 and 2016. I think Greg Roman was gone by then. I don't think he was still in San Francisco at that point. Was he in Buffalo by then? I believe he was. Yes. He, the exact years, same years, 15, 16. So there is no, there is no crossover there. So that doesn't make it an obvious thing to do. I, I just I'm not overreacting to it in any way. There's no way for me to overreact to it. I can't fathom if they look if they spent any actual money on Mike Davis. That's bonkers. That's nuts. E- even if they were to know something, like know that one of their running backs is behind schedule, Mike Davis is not a guy to be spending money on. Like that we we've got. There is no reason for that to be the case. There is no way that Mike Davis is any better than the guys that you picked up off the street a year ago. So there's no reason for them to be spending money on Mike Davis, and I can't fathom that they did. I can't fathom that that's part of this equation. As far as what that means for, say, Tyler Beatty, I'm going to guess not a lot. I I think it's protect his usage during these off-season activities and perhaps even into training camp. That's it. That's the sense that I get that's going on is that they just don't want one guy to be the only running back. So they brought in another body. They got another body. But the plan still remained that J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are their top two running backs, and whatever happens from there happens from there. And if you want to say there's competition, that they're not guaranteeing Tyler Beatty a spot, well, probably not. He was a sixth-round draft pick, and I get it. We all like him. He's a local kid. We all. It's a great story, all of those things. But guaranteeing a roster spot to a sixth-round pick is bonkers. That is not the way the NFL works. Even if you like the guy, even if you've heard of the guy, even if he was productive in college, you don't guarantee roster spots or opportunities to sixth-round draft picks. If you get to the start of the season and Mike Davis does more for you on the whole than Tyler Beatty does, then Mike Davis will be the third running back on the team. We'll see but not worth overreacting to. Not worth at all overreacting to. The other big football story this morning, I don't I don't love what the NFL is doing and trickling out the schedule. Not, I, 
I, like, I get it. They're trying to give some value to all of their partners. So, like, yesterday they went on Good Morning America and announced that weird week two doubleheader that isn't actually a doubleheader. It's just two games basically at the same time, which is quite weird for a Monday night. I don't know what the thought process is there. I don't know why they're doing that at all, but it's what they're doing, and I hope – I guess at least I'm choosing to hope that it's them finally figuring out the thing that we've known for a long time, which is they should just put all the games on TV and stagger the start times on Sunday as if it were the NCAA tournament. They're a couple of decades behind in figuring it out, but I'm choosing to believe that that's what this is a sign of, is that they're starting to figure out the more games they put on TV, the better for the league. I I hope. I I certainly don't believe it, but I'm hoping. I'm choosing to hope. That's the case. So today they announced on CBS that CBS and Nickelodeon are doing a Christmas Day game with the Broncos and the Rams. I, it's not going to get me to tune into any of these shows that they're they're announcing a couple of games here and there. But I I get it. It's their league partner. The big announcement this morning was from Fox, which is that Tom Brady is going to become their lead NFL analyst whenever his career ends. That they have already agreed to a deal with Tom Brady. So like six years from now. Maybe twenty. I mean, who knows? Um, I, I I have no idea what kind of analyst Tom Brady is going to be. I know that he immediately has the most cachet of any game analyst in the history of the NFL. The moment he steps in, because no one could have greater cachet than Tom Brady does. Will he be good in the role? How could I possibly know? How could anyone possibly know that? I have no doubt that Fox did work with Tom Brady and had him run through simulated games, and before they made the decision to fully commit, they they made sure he was comfortable in a booth. He obviously knows football incredibly well. We have seen far more of Tom Brady's personality in recent years to make us think that it can work for him as an analyst. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you I'm excited about Tom Brady as an analyst, but... I do like the idea of the analysts working the big games being guys who are big-time players. I've said before, it's one of the issues I had with, say, the Monday Night Football booth. Is when you're talking about guys that were okay players, it just doesn't have the same cachet. They don't speak with the same authority. I know we've all accepted Chris Collinsworth. I mean, people in Baltimore don't like Chris Collinsworth, but I know we've accepted him as a a top analyst despite the fact that he wasn't necessarily a great player but always prefer great players on big games as long as they do their work and they want to be there and like Kurt Warner if you listen to Kurt Warner on the radio he's excellent as an analyst still makes no sense that none of the TV networks have picked him up but if Tom Brady's really willing to do the work that's required here I mean, he clearly checks all the boxes as a player goes for being an analyst. But Tom Brady, the announcement is he will join Fox whenever his career ends to be their lead analyst alongside their new uh, top play-by-play guy, Kevin Burkhart, for their uh, game, their Sunday afternoon 4.30 game of the week and their playoff games. All right. Uh, we're going to be doing this every week leading up to the MLB draft as the Baltimore Orioles hold the number one pick in the draft. We're going to talk some MLB draft and joining us for the first one. He is ESPN's MLB draft analyst. He's Kylie McDaniel and he's with us here on GCR. Kylie, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Kylie, can you hear me okay? 
Hey, Thanks sorry. Hey, it's great to chat with you, man. I apologize. I don't know what happened there. Kylie, it's great to chat with you. I'm hoping that you and I are not having a ton of conversations in the future about the Orioles and top three picks. I'm hoping that that might be changing in the coming years. But I guess let's just start sort of generically. Right now, how many players do you genuinely believe are possibilities for the Baltimore Orioles to take with the number one pick? Uh, the latest sort of intel I've heard is they've worked it down to five or six guys right now, and I think the sort of top tier of guys they could reasonably consider is probably seven. So I think they've probably, uh, and that's sort of a consensus if you ask around the industry, like who do you think they're really considering? It's you know anywhere from six to seven, maybe eight guys. And I get the impression that they've probably eliminated one or two of those guys. Um, but it's still a pretty wide net uh, at this point, and we can obviously go through some of those guys sure. specifically if you want to. Sure. I, well, I, I guess let me, let me go – before we start going through some of the others, there is, of course, the thing where in the Michael Elias regime, the Orioles have taken college bats. And this appears to be a year where there are college bats that can be in the conversation. It seems like there are more high school bats that are part of this. How much of a factor is it – that, that you guys that do this for a living are dealing with the fact that, hey, however we analyze these guys, the track record says we know what the Orioles are taking when they have a pick like this. Yeah, it's been a big conversation basically since Baltimore clinched the number one pick, and it was kind of clear what kind of class this was. So right now I have uh, the top four players in the draft are all high school position players. Right. Uh, depending on any given you know day you get a hold of me, it might be three out of uh, or four out of five or three out of four or whatever. But suffice to say, my top two, I think, all the way to the end will be high school position players, and then right behind them are two more. Uh, that typically is the most desired type of player. Like, there's the most, like, all-stars out of all the various demographics come from high school up the middle position players. That's typically where the, you know, the upside, the exciting stuff, that's what teams kind of pick up here for is to get that kind of player. Nobody really wants to draft a pitcher this high, and obviously Michael Elias is another one of those people. Uh, and the high school or the college players in general, the position players are seen as, oh, that's like the safer way out. You're not going to get as much ceiling. A lot of times those guys like, you know, Pedro Alvarez, for example, will seem like they might be a superstar, but it turns out they're, you know, a little less than that. But you know, Nick Senzel, there's been a lot of examples of this in the last you know couple of years. Whereas your superstars tend to come from the top of the July 2 class internationally and the top of the draft high school position players typically is where those players come from. So given Mike's history, there's the Carlos Correa where he cut there and ended up taking the best player. Arguably, him or Byron Buxton was the best player. Uh, and then it's cut the last two years, uh, taking Kowser and Kerstad and spreading the money around. But when he had a clear number one prospect in 2019, he took Adley Rutschman instead of Bobby Witt, who now is... I would say neck and neck with him as a prospect, but at the time was seen as clearly better. So like he's proven that if there is a slam dunk guy, he'll take the slam dunk guy this year. I think there is a guy that is clearly better, but in talking to some people that are picking up high, they're like, no, it's kind of like last year where there's a lot of different opinions. And the guy that I think is the best, which is Drew Jones, right. the son of Andrew Jones, I think he's clearly the best guy. I think he's probably the consensus guy. If you were to ask around and take a vote, he'd get the most number one votes. But I think most teams see it as, yeah, there's four or five guys you could talk yourself into, similar to last year when we saw everyone's rankings get like jumbled up in terms of the order based on the way the baseball draft is set up with like a, a hard-slotting process and everyone shops around for prices, and then you pick who you think the best player is for the price rather than just the best player. He is Kylan McDaniel from ESPN. He's here with us on Glenn Clark Radio. Kylie, why? Why do you believe Drew Jones is that guy, that, that's the consensus top player? So I've tried to simplify my process a little bit. There's, it's very easy to get sort of lost in the sauce going through all the different evaluations and models and stats and stuff. And for me, the draft boils down to this, which is 
don't focus on all the things the guy can't do. We have so many examples of guys like Justin Verlander and Tim Lincecum where it's like, oh, they didn't have command or a third pitch in college, and then it turned out their command got a lot better, and their third pitch then becomes their best pitch. They just learn their best pitch at pro ball. So even the like polished college pitcher that will get to the big leagues quickly, their scouting report changes so much. Just pick the guy who's good at the stuff you think is important and has the between-the-ears mental makeup stuff to make the adjustments that are necessary because everyone, no matter how advanced they are as an amateur, will change a lot. And so for me, if you start with what are they good at, Drew Jones is the only guy in this draft where he has a chance to turn into that Acuna, uh, Soto, Tatis, like that kind of guy because he has the present skills of some of the other best high school position players in this draft, but he also is 6'3", 6'4", long-limbed. We've got three or four years. I was watching him as a high school freshman here in Atlanta. Um, He's got all those things you want in terms of performance and now skills, but he has the frame and the twitch athleticism to where, like I saw Fernando Tatis Jr. as a 15-year-old, he Mm -hmm. was just pretty good. And then by about 17, it was like, oh my gosh, this is a totally different guy because he was long and lanky and projectable, and sometimes that stuff can explode. Drew Jones has some of that same stuff. Now, it's still, you know, one in five, one in six that he hits anywhere near those sorts of heights, but he's the only guy that has a chance to be that kind of guy. So so why why wouldn't a Tamar Johnson have that chance? So he is a guy that I think has very polarizing views. Uh, part of it is because this year he played at a very low level of competition in the Atlanta okay. area, the sort of small schools. And so, like, I went to a game and he had, like, two strikes thrown to him the entire game and walked four times. So it was just if you parachuted in and saw him for the first time this spring, you just didn't get a good look. It was impossible to, like, really see his talent play. But I think I saw him take 50 plate appearances over the summer and have seen him for multiple summers in a row, another guy around the Atlanta area near me. Um, so he's been easy to evaluate. Now, the sort of limitation in terms of his ability, he's a high school second baseman, which demographically is not very strong. You could probably play him at third if you wanted to. And he is 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and is sort of a you know mature, filled-out body. I think the comp is Raphael Devers. They look very similar at the same age. I think even the swing mechanics are kind of similar. Devers is a little bit taller, but they both have a lot of the same things going for them. And at the same stage, when Devers is 15 or 16, people were like, mm, I don't know if he's going to keep the weight down. Right. Can he really play third base? Like, he's got some power, but he's not getting to it in games. But you can kind of imagine. He was, like, kind of fat when he was a teenager, and then he grew out of it. Tamar doesn't have any of those specific issues. But it's just like you can imagine limitations just because of his size and position. But I think he's got the best hit power tool in the high school class. And I think he's a better now hit power combo than a lot of college players in this draft. So if you're just looking at who is the best and most polished that also comes with some upside, I think he's the guy. And that's why I have him second on the list. Because if you focus on those two things, the two most important things in baseball projecting players is hit power and how far along are they for their age. Like he's the best at that. When we when the Orioles clinched the number one pick or what we thought was going to be the number one pick because obviously there was a lot to be hammered out with the with the CBA, but when they clinched what we thought was going to be the number one pick, it felt like at the time, Kylie, that there was a lot of conversation surrounding Elijah Green. Um, why has that dissipated a bit over the course of the last six months or so? I would say. Starting a year ago, going into the summer, he was seen as the best guy, but it was close. And two years ago, he was seen as, oh, this might be the Bryce Harper, like the, the best guy for right. the last 10 years. Right. Uh, because his, he, he went, so he went to IMG from the high school he was at, and which means he's basically facing 88 to 90 or better in every game and playing 30, 40 games uh, per spring and is playing with multiple first I think they had two top two round picks on last year's team. They have two more in, the, in addition to him on this year's team. So they're getting, you know, the 30 scouts at every single game and they're facing good competition. And he's been doing that for two years. And then compare that to Tamar Johnson, where it's like guys literally can't throw strikes when they're trying to against him. Like the spring look is very different. And you can actually, that's a level of competition 
where it's like, you know, certain days it's as good as a mid-major college, and he's 17, 18 years old facing that. The reason he was talked about as potentially that Bryce Harper, Justin Upton kind of guy is as like a 16-year-old, he had 30 home run raw power in the big leagues. He was a 70 runner, which, you know, could steal 30, 40 bases. He had at least a plus arm. It was just the, the sort of physical combo of power, speed, arm strength was some of the best we've ever seen. Uh, at this age group, the issue has been, again, he's facing better competition, but he's been tinkering with his swing. There's been some contact issues, uh, with two strikes. He doesn't really move his hands or feet. He just kind of stands there and hits the ball. And I've seen him with that swing, hit the ball 110 miles an hour. So like you get an idea, this is like, you know, his dad played in the NFL. Uh, he's like six three, two fifteen, and is a fantastic athlete. So you can understand sort of the upside here and why people would get excited, but then as you drill down, it's just not quite as polished as you want. And so if he goes to a team that's very good at, you know, hitting development and like really dialing in an approach both mechanically and like what kind of pitches you're looking for, I think he could really, you know, be, be that sort of dynamic talent. If he goes to a team that isn't good at that or just turns out things don't come to him as easily against, you know, 95 on the black and then plus lighter away, that kind of thing. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs trying to dial that in, hmm. whereas Drew Jones and Tamar Johnson have a little less upside, uh, but come with that like certainty of you've never seen them not hit before, which is at the top of the draft. Like People get fired over guys not making it out of A-ball at this level, so it kind of scares everybody a little bit. Uh, he, of course, is, as uh, Kylie mentions, he's actually the son of former Ravens tight end, Eric Green, Elijah Green is. Um, Kylie McDaniel with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Kylie, if it is a college bat for the Orioles at number one, is it a consensus that it's Brooks Lee from Cal Poly? No. Okay. I, uh, I I have him uh, tops amongst the college uh, position players, and the short version on Brooks Lee is can really hit, has enough power. As a college shortstop, is probably a third baseman. Uh, was actually seen as a fringe first-rounder that would probably would have signed out of college but had a back issue, had, had, a, had a procedure. Um, and so that, I think, is he's past that now, but it sort of speaks to some of the, uh, I guess, lack of upside compared to some of these other players, where it's like probably a really good hitter that plays third base that hits 15, 20 homers and gets there pretty quickly and has some certainty. Uh, but you're, you're, you're thinking like a Kyle Seeger if everything goes perfectly. It's just not quite as exciting a kind of guy. That's the kind of guy you take if you don't like what you're looking at in terms of those three high school position players in the prices, if you then think Brooks Lee will be close to as good as them, then you'll take him for, you know, a million and a half less and be happy with it. The other guy that I think the Orioles may like more is Jacob Berry at LSU, hmm. who is sophomore eligible, uh, is younger for the class, came from Arizona, transferred with the coach, Jay Johnson, and I believe has more home runs than strikeouts this year in the SEC, which is, you know, the best uh, uh, amateur level of competition on earth. And is like a decent right fielder. I think a comp uh, in terms of uh, you know position and level and all those sorts of things is JJ Bladé, who's had a little bit of a rough go for unrelated reasons in in pro ball. But he was fourth overall a couple years ago because he basically just like hit the hell out of the ball and hit like twenty five home runs in the SEC for Vanderbilt. And it's like, oh, this guy's a good right fielder and he can hit. He can hit for power. And like, how could this go wrong? And it's just been okay in pro ball. I think Jacob Berry will you know suffer a little bit because of that. But if you're just looking for the most advanced now hit power tool in the draft, it's this guy. The problem is there's not a ton of speed in defense. He's played right. third base in the past. It's probably more right field and maybe just fringy at right field. So you better get a lot of savings and be really sure the bat's going to play because you're getting toward that you know, Torkelson-Andrew Vaughn thing, where it's like, if they come to the big leagues and don't hit, then what do you really have? Right, that's what you come back to, like, can you take a right fielder number one overall? Like, no, no matter what, you, this, can you do that? Can, can you as an organization take a right fielder with a number one overall pick? 
And I think if you cut there, because that, that would be a similar move to taking Heston Kerstad, number two overall, you have to know who you're spending those savings on and have a deal done and have a couple backup options and know that you're going to be able to get to that money and kind of get your money out of it. Because there are instances we've seen in the past where teams will cut, cut, cut with their first three picks, right. and then they just have to take whoever's left over and basically Give let the right. league decide right. who the leftover is. And you basically went from the third best player in the draft to the eighth best player in the draft for players you know, to be named that everyone will dictate to you who they are. That's like the only wrong answer up here. So I feel like if you go to Barry or Lee, you have to know what those second and third moves are. And then because there's, you know, 20, 30 picks in between, you have to have backup plans because not everyone's going to get through that you want. Are those players to be had that, that, that would make it worth it in this draft? Yeah, the interesting part of this draft is, uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but I believe of my last rankings of the top 32, I had 25 position players. So what that means is there's going to be a lot of teams that are just like, we're going to take a, you know, very consensus position player with our first pick. And then there are a ton of pitchers. I think there's eight Tommy Johns of players in the first uh, two rounds of pitchers. There's a number of uh, like these days, there's a lot of data on all these pitchers. So it's like, oh, we like this kind of fastball and this sort of, you know, frame and athleticism. So between that and all the injured pitchers and some of the guys with lighter stuff that are performing well, or maybe guys that fit a, a team's player development approach, like, oh, we can make this guy throw harder. He's already got the change up. Everyone's got their own flavor of pitcher. I think over half the league is going to take a consensus position player, either high school or college with their first pick, and then pick their flavor of pitcher, whatever that happens to be with their second pick, and maybe third pick. And I've, had a, I've said that to a couple scouts that are you know in, in the room making these picks. And they're like, yeah, that's probably what 15 or 20 teams okay. will do. And there's a couple first-round pitchers who come from very wealthy families from the high school end that can probably float their way into that second round if they want to. If you know some team like Baltimore plans to cut up top and they have $5 million more than everybody else at their second pick, then that gives them the power to pick which one of those guys they want at their next pick. Well, but as I let you go, how does Kamar Rocker fact into this draft? It's a good question. Uh, the the plan, as I best understand it right now, is he will show up at an independent league to, to be announced. It sounds like he wants to announce it. Uh, and he'll start throwing in the next month or so. Uh, I think he'll sort of ramp up, throw two, three innings at a time, maybe throw four or five times, you know, broadly speaking, something like that. Uh, the day after he didn't sign last year, I said, oh, a team that is open to signing players from his advisor will take him for an overslot bonus in the second or third round because there's so much uncertainty. They'll rush him to the big leagues, and once he throws 30 innings in relief in the big leagues, he will be worth his bonus, and that will lower expectations to a manageable level for him okay. for what this is, which is like a giant injury question. Uh, and I think that's very common with a lot of you know relievers in the big leagues. Like Maybe they could start, maybe they can't. Maybe there's injury problems, maybe there's command problems, maybe the stuff goes up and down, like maybe, maybe, maybe. But like we know if you sign a guy that throws 30 good innings and you give him $5 million as a free agent, that's pretty good. And I think that's the level at which the expectation should be for Kumar Rocker. And I don't really see him going in the first 30 picks, but he could go anywhere from 35 to 70 to 5, depending on how the rest of this and sharing his medicals and all that stuff sort of plays out. Is the talent still worth it? I think so, but the talent is so tied in the medical questions yep. that 2019, everyone other than the Mets, they don't know what it is. Yep. And it's sort of, I mean, this happened with Brady Aiken back in the day where it was like, one team was very scared by this. We don't know how bad it was. Then all the teams see it, and you find out, like, oh, it's not quite as bad as we thought, but it's still a lot of different opinions. And then he gets drafted 17th overall and never gets out of rookie ball. So, like, the, the track record of a team was, like, scared to death of this medical is, like, generally not that good, but it's still a pretty short track record. And I, and I found, in general... When this sort of thing happens, like teams are asking me, like, hey, where do you think Kumar's going to go? Because, like, they know what their doctor said. They want right. to know what the other 28 doctors right. think because they, they don't know where that means he should go. They know where they want to take him. But they'd love to get him around later for a little less money if they could. 
Um, so, and all that hasn't played out yet. So we just don't really know if it's compensation round, a bunch of teams want to get him and rush him to the big leagues or second, third round, or some teams think he's a starter. Some teams aren't worried about the medical at all and think the Mets are crazy. Like all of those things are on the table. At Kylie McD on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, ESPN.com and ESPN Insider see all of his stuff. Is there anything else I should be plugging for you, Kylie? The book, maybe? Yeah, the book Future Value is in paperback now, and it's the you know the sort of elevator pitch is it's the the answer to Moneyball after all all of that uh, number stuff started happening. Uh, Eric Langenhagen used to work with me at Fangraphs, uh, wrote about like how the game is now actually changing now that all the stuff that Michael Lewis talked about has sort of played out. Now we have all of this sort of stat cast and things like that, the things that are actually replacing scouts. How is that now changing baseball? Uh, Kylie McDaniel, uh, can't wait to do this again as we get a little bit closer to the MLB draft. Appreciate you taking the time for us this morning, sir. Thank you for doing it. Yep, thank you. Kyle McDaniel from ESPN checking in with us here on GCR. It's our first weekly MLB draft segment. We will be doing those as we continue to plow along towards the Orioles in July, having the number one pick in the draft. All right. Um, you know what? I wanted to have to take a break here, but we're not going to have the time. That's all right. We can we can finagle some things, and we might do an entire breakless hour. You're welcome. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore Police Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org is the website for you to find out more. Of course, MLB Draft will be the night before All-Star festivities get underway in L.A. They have moved the schedule around a little bit this year. So the Futures game will be on Saturday this year. Then the draft will be on Sunday, July 17th from out in Los Angeles. Home Run Derby will be on the 18th and the All-Star Game on the 19th. That is the schedule for All-Star Week this year. So we are about two months out from the MLB draft, and I am sure there will be plenty of opinions to be had between now and then, and we will collect as many of them as we possibly can from those who know these players the best. We continue here on a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, and we know that the NCAA tournament, the lacrosse tournaments, get underway this week. Our next guest, her team, will not have to play on Friday, but they will get underway on Sunday in College Park. Big Ten champions once again. It's a pleasure to welcome back the head coach, the Maryland women's lacrosse team, Coach Kathy Reese, who's with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Congratulations on a Big Ten title. Thank you for taking the time for us. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me on. It's exciting to be here. I know. It's I love a, this time of year. I know. It's a great week, right? Like, this is That's, this is what you do this for. Um, absolutely. Coach, let's just start, right? You, had, you guys had, like, one slip-up during the course of the season. What did you learn from that game? Why was your team able to click so much after that kind of weird slip up against James Madison. Yeah, you know, um, we came out and we were flat. We dug ourselves into a hole that game, and and James Madison, you know, continued to play great the entire you know sixty minutes of lacrosse, and and we had a hard time digging ourselves out of that for sure. But I do think with at that point in the season for us, it allowed us or challenged us to really reevaluate some things and see where we are and recognize that. You know, we need to make sure we step on the field. We're trying to win each play, every play um, for the, the full 60 minutes. We can't have these lapses like that. And we've got a really young team. So I thought that was a good learning, a learning kind of experience for us. And it really kind of helped us as we head into the second half of the season and then into, you know, the Big Ten tournament as well. I mean, that was, 
that was something um, you know that challenged us and, and forced us to learn more about ourselves. I, I, I can't imagine this is kind of a weird spot, and I know that a lot of this has to do with the fact that there was a pandemic and that there wasn't a tournament, but it, it feels like there haven't been a lot of Maryland players who have gotten deep into their careers without winning a national championship, Coach. Like, it's just the success that you all have been able to have over the years. Are, have you felt a little bit of that, like the focus and the drive? Because I, I know it, it be cr- there's some programs that hear me saying this, and they're like, you got to get the F out of here, but it's been three years, right? Yeah, like, and it's... Well, and even more so than, than that, a Big Ten tournament championship. I have two players on my roster. My fifth-year seniors, Grace Griffin and Tori Beretta, those are the only two players that were part of a Big Ten tournament championship wow. out of my 36 because, you know, my senior class was freshman in 2019 when we won the national championship, but we lost the Big Ten tournament at Hopkins Northwestern. So, you know, we kind of looked at this season to take it one step at a time, right? I have a really strong class of, of juniors. I mean, there's sophomore eligibility. A lot of them are on the field. Um, but as we went through, you know, their season in 2020 was cut short. 2021 was conference only. And here they are in 22. So we just had a lot of growing to do, a lot to learn about ourselves. And then we went on and we won the Big Ten regular season. And then, you know, the whole group uh, came through with great uh, Big Ten tournament wins to, to win that. And now, you know, we're this is the first time for this group, too, that for the most part, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, that we've earned a top three seed heading right. into the NCAA tournament or afforded the buy on Friday. Uh, she is Coach Kathy Reese. She is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. She's getting ready for the start of the NCAA tournament. Coach, how much uh, does it help when you have a player who can score 111 points for you during the course of the season? It seems like that's something handy maybe to have for a lacrosse team. Yeah, she's quite the addition to our team this year, yeah. that's for sure. No, I'm, you know, I am amazed by all of our players and, and she's one of them. What a great, um, a great addition. She fit right in. She does it all. She can see the field. She can assist. She can score. Our offense runs through Aurora accordingly. And, um, you know, congratulations to her for being named the Big Ten um, Attacker of the Year and obviously well-deserved. And, you know, she sometimes it's it's silent. Like we could leave a game and, and I leave and find out she had four goals and five assists. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, wow. it's just kind of wow. her numbers have just been astonishing as we've gone through the season. But, um, you know, she's helped us uh, with experience. The rest of my offense players on the field, for the most part, are sophomores eligibility wise with Grace Griffin, who's on the offensive end, about half of the possessions. And so she has been such a, a leader for us in that area. And, um, we, we've grown a lot and learned a lot because of her on the offensive end this year, for sure. Of course, there's that possibility that Sunday it could be some of her old friends that you guys end up playing against. That could be an interesting little scenario. I know, I know that's, you know, you guys are just going to prepare for you, but it could be an interesting little subplot to Sunday afternoon, correct? True, but it also would be the third time we've seen them this year. That's a very you know? fair so point, yes. That's, that I think we've, we, it was, it's challenging. It was definitely a challenge, you know, that we needed to overcome when we played them in the regular yep. season um, up at Johns Hopkins. And then we had them again in the semis of the Big Ten tournament. So definitely familiar with, with, um, with Johns, with Johns Hopkins and Duke's a, a different team for us. We played them last year in the NCAA tournament as well. Um, but both teams have changed a lot since then. So obviously this week leading up to that game, not knowing uh, what, what that'll bring. You know, we're really spending these next four days working on things that we need to do to continue to get better. Of course, that game Sunday is at 2.30 against whoever wins between Johns Hopkins and Duke on Friday. That will be when Maryland is in action on in Sunday's NCAA tournament games. Coach, you know, I, we were just talking to Taylor Cummings last week. We know the World Championships are coming here. Do, do you feel like, you know, maybe Abby, there's, like, how many players on this roster do you feel like could be future 
you know, Team USA world championship caliber players that you have on your roster at this point. I know. Isn't that fun? Well, even looking at all of these countries competing in the world championship, we've got players on, you know, Australia and Canada and England and the United States and, you know, people that have just um, have done so well and then have the opportunity to represent their country and compete in the World Cup. So, it's so cool, and we're so excited uh, to see all of them kind of do their thing. And with our current team, you know, it's the, the U.S. program is 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 always just something that people strive for. And if they're interested in it, we've had some great players that have definitely gone on um, and done extremely well. And we're excited to cheer for you know our Taylor Cummings and Alice Mercer and Meg Dowdy and Lizzie Colson of the world coming up here. But um, it's just, I just sit back and I'm so proud of, of all of these guys that just get to go on and, and compete um, for, for their countries and, and, you know, against each other. And it's just, there's such a huge Maryland tie there, which is just pretty cool to it'd, see. It'd be a great opportunity for everybody to get out this summer, too, and, and see it and sort of celebrate the sport as well here in our backyard. Absolutely. Um, Coach, I, generically as I can, what it's going to take, we, we know you have an incredibly good team, right? We know there are other really, obviously Carolina hasn't lost, right? Like, mm-hmm. we know there are other good teams. For your group, what will it take, given everything you know about winning national championships, what will it take for this team to get the job done and get the championship weekend and, and, and hoist that trophy? Well, I think, you know, it's whenever the selection show is just so exciting for all the teams um, who are looking forward to competing. And then the brackets announced, and I think it's to, re- to remember that, you know, for us, we need to win four games. We don't have to beat 28 other teams. And so the bracket comes out and you're hearing all of these great teams that are announced and being celebrated. And, and um, at the end of the day, you know, we have no control over who we play. We just have control over how we play. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time talking with our team just to understand the process that the selection committee works through um, and understand what we need to do to be successful. And that's what we focus on all season long are just kind of the details of our sport. And, you know, none of that changes, no matter who we play on Sunday. It's just staying true to ourselves and, and the details. And for us, I think as we've gone through the season, we've become much better defensively playing, you know, together as a unit. We're just really working together well. We're communicating well. We're seeing each other well. We're helping well, doing it together. Emily Sterling's making some phenomenal saves in the cage. Our middies and Abby Bosco's all over the place in transition. Yep. And our offense has done a really nice job of just being patient and smart. And we saw how dynamic and electric they could be in the second half of our Big Ten um, tournament championship versus Rutgers. I think we went 11-1 to 1 in the second half, which – um, or something like that was huge. And so, you know, knowing that we can put up those numbers and do that in 30 minutes of lacrosse, if we can, you know, remain consistent, that's going to be key. Um, and so we talk about this stuff all the time and, and they know, and it's just, I just want them to continue to build their confidence and believe in themselves and just know that they're awesome and capable of anything they put their mind to. Uh, as I mentioned, it, you know, it could be Hopkins on Sunday. Obviously, it could be Duke. But if, if you could, Coach, just because we know that this is it for her, what's it been like going up against Janine Tucker over these last years and, and the impact that she's had on this sport? Yeah, it's crazy to think. You know, Janine is just still so high energy and passionate about what she does. It's crazy to think she's been coaching as long as she has because she just, you know, her heart's in it and out there. And, um, you know, her teams have just loved her and, and she's always got, had a team that's fought hard on the field. And so 
as sad as it is to kind of see her leave our sport, we know that she'll continue to be involved um, in lacrosse in the game in many different ways, um, without a doubt. And so, obviously, for for our group, and I think on on all of our all of our coaches in you know college lacrosse, it's wishing her well in the next chapter. I mean, she's she's been fun to compete against, and and um, and looking forward to seeing what she continues to do with our sport to help us continue to grow. And my friend MC McFadden would be mad if I didn't give a shout out to your assistant coach, Caitlin Phipps, who I know got to celebrate Mother's Day. Her first Mother's Day was really neat. The baby made it, it up to the game. How sweet was that? Yeah, was her husband cool. surprised her, brought the baby up. And so that was her first time also being away for a few days. So that meant a lot to her. Um, of course, the girls on the team love it too. And Baby Mackenzie's around and just always puts a smile on everyone's face. So, yes, she's, I know, she's she's phenomenal, and my whole staff is. We're just looking forward to continuing to stay together with this group and enjoying each moment. Well, Coach, we look forward. We'll, we'll try to catch up as the tournament goes on. Look forward to Sunday, 2.30, as you guys will be hosting either Hopkins or Duke. Best of luck throughout the course of this tournament. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Of course. Thanks for talking with me. Appreciate it. Coach Kathy Reese, the University of Maryland. Terps, again, don't have to play on Friday. They get the bye into Sunday's action where they will host either Hopkins or Duke in College Park. So um, we're going to have to call Patrick uh, probably a little bit early, too, because he's got to be wrapped up by 11, I just found out. So we really won't get to a commercial until the end of the first hour. (laughs) That's the way it goes sometimes. That's the way that it works. I can remind you that the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel is the best place to be for all of the playoff action, for the PGA Championship, for big fights like Gervonta Davis and Rolando Romero coming up a little bit later on this month. You're going to want to be there in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. 61 self-service kiosks throughout the FanDuel Sportsbook. 61. So no matter what it is that you're betting, they're open 24-7. So if you're betting Korean baseball overnight, whatever it is that you're into, you can get your bets in in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. And if you want to reserve your spot for one particular event, whether it's a fight, whether it's the PGA Championship final round, you want to reserve your spot, email events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocial, sportssocialmd.com. It's Tuesday. Every Tuesday, we talk college sports with our next guest. Of course, we have brackets now. There is quite some controversy in related to the NCAA tournament brackets from USA Lacrosse Magazine, the Washington Post, and the man that you follow at Discourse, D1S Course, on Twitter. He is Patrick Stevens, and he's with us now here on GCR. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am well, Glenn. How are you? I am quite well. It seems like everybody was very happy with the brackets. Everybody was in total agreement. There was no, there was just really no yelling or shouting or, or negativity on social media whatsoever. None, none at all. Total yeah. uni- unanimous uh, approval here. So, what did you make <laughs> of how? It, like that, I, I know Notre Dame is sort of the hot topic, right? In the ACC in general, what did you make of how the committee put together this year's tournament? Well, I think the the funny thing to me is that if you are looking at it kind of the way I I usually look at it, which is they try there's a process that they go through and there is, you know, historical data that you can sort of use to predict what the what the committee's going to do. And so 
Duke with an RPI of seven with a strength of schedule of I think of like eleven or twelve or something like that. Uh, you know, there hasn't there hasn't been a team with without an RPI that high that's missed the tournament in the in the sixteen team era since the field expanded to to, to sixteen in two thousand three. So for me, that was a really startling curveball. I think for the people that are looking at this emotionally, um, there's this outrage that Notre Dame didn't get into the tournament in in large part because of this belief that. You know, Notre Dame could win the national title. I mean, they gave Maryland as good a run as anybody right. this season, a two-goal game early in the season. And so, but I would tell you that I wouldn't have been surprised if Ohio State had gotten in ahead of Notre Dame just based on the numbers. Ohio State beat Notre Dame head-to-head. All of that having been said, and, and this is something that I wrote in the wee hours of yesterday morning, when you get to the point when people are questioning the process that produces a bracket that doesn't have a team in it that could plausibly win a national title, mm-hmm. you are threatening, I think, you know the the integrity, integrity of... of the event. Yeah, at that stage, you you are you are essentially saying, you know, maybe this maybe this really isn't the champion. You know, I I think I think there's a lot of teams out there. Uh, that that should be pretty happy that the committee and, and Notre Dame obviously had a hand in this itself with some of its losses, but it's still eight and four. It still didn't lose anybody bad. Um, that essentially, like they've already been knocked out for them. Uh, you know, I also think it's interesting when you look at some of the big losses that were counted as significant losses for Duke, which is the argument that was put forth. And I will say that for the most part, it's it, the, the, uh, there is an argument to do it the way the committee did it, and my my point I think is that the inputs that everybody is using the uh, pro- and the the procedure probably isn't great, and it hasn't been great. I mean, it hasn't been great for a long time, but at least it was not great in a predictable kind of way. Uh, like you knew you knew how you were going to get sent up a creek. Uh, so, but you look at some of that. Obviously, losing to a, a four and ten Syracuse team wasn't good. They lose to a 14-3 and Jacksonville team with an RPI of 24, and that's a bad loss. If you extrapolate that out to what it would be like for a bas- in basketball, it would be like losing to a 28-6 and team with a hmm. net of 117. Hmm. Which, so do phew. we really want that to be a truly noteworthy loss that, that differentiates somebody, that that's what you're, that's what you're causing? I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of uh, intrigued by a lot of this stuff. Uh, but I did think that uh, it, it was it, the the overall procedure uh, is something that at least had been predictable. I didn't I didn't see this particular sequence coming. Um, so if it's not going to be predictable, and it really isn't all that great at identifying the best teams anyway, because you're talking about a RPI formula. It's the foundation of this all. It's so great that when you had twice the sample size, basketball thought it was so awesome that it got rid of it and paid for a proprietary metric right. uh, that, that you know doesn't have a public formula, which is probably pretty smart. So you look at that, and you got to think that between all that stuff and the fact that the two teams that got, that got excluded in this, Duke and Notre Dame, have veteran coaches that uh, have, some, have some pull within right. the sport, uh, and you know, there is a certain irony to all of this, that the ACC has benefited from this system for years and years and years. And, and now it doesn't in part because 
frankly, in part because Syracuse wasn't good this year, uh, and in part because there were a, a couple losses here and there, uh, Duke losing by a goal to Penn. I mean, if we want to sit here and try to pull at the tapestry of the season, uh, switch that result around. One goal overtime mm-hmm. loss mm-hmm. in February. Instead, Duke beats Penn. Well, how does how does everything change? It changes a lot, I think. But it, it is definitely a moment uh, for some reflection. And I think that if you are invested in the sport, if you're a stakeholder, whether you're a coach or an administrator in particular, but a player, a fan, a media member, whatever, uh, I don't think you want to have a championship where a team that you legitimately believe could have won a national title isn't involved in your tournament. So I guess the question becomes, Patrick, is the answer 20 teams? Is the it's, answer- not, it's not. It's, it's not tournament expansion. Yeah. The reason it's not tournament expansion is simply because you, the NCAA runs a bunch of different tournaments. And the percentage of teams, 18 out of 73, it'll be 18 out of 75 next year. So it's a little less than 25%. It is, is actually on the higher end hmm. of the number of teams that are permitted into you know various tournaments. What you need is more Division One teams. More Division One teams creates more conferences ultimately, yep. in all likelihood, yep. which creates more automatic qualifiers. And so that's that's where you have to go with that. It's not just simply, gosh, we have all these great teams. Well, no, you you have you have a certain degree of uh, uh, having to answer uh, for how that compares to other sports. Uh, I believe the women's tournament is at 29 out of 119 or something along those lines, which is a comparable percentage. And so that's sort of what you're looking at. Uh, it's not it's not a tournament expansion thing unless you can get more teams into into Division One. So it's just changing the system, then. You, be, I think, I think the best thing that can happen at this stage, yeah, is that you revamp the selection criteria. Okay. Uh, and I and I think there's. There's a few other things you could do. You could certainly look at the composition of, of the committee. It's, it has been for years and years and years uh, three administrators and two head coaches. Uh, do you want a bigger committee? Do you want a committee that is more coach-centric? Do you want a committee that is retired coach-centric, perhaps? Uh, you know, I think that's one of those things that you know people always dream of in, in a lot of sports. Like, why doesn't... You know, why doesn't the, the basketball committee, why isn't that a bunch of old retired coaches or whatever? There's, there's pluses and minuses to all of it, uh, but it's all stuff, I think, that should at least be considered, discussed, dissected, whatever, uh, as, you're, as you're looking at a scenario where, you know, I think, I think a really bad thing for the sport is that we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about teams that didn't even make it. Right, right. That's and that's going, that's, going to continue to, that's going to continue to be discussed all the way up until Memorial Day weekend, whether you like it or not. Patrick Stevens is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Patrick, obviously Maryland is the top seed. They are the team to beat. They continue to just overwhelm really good teams uh, throughout the course of the year. There is probably a bit of concern within the Maryland fan base about the possibility of a Virginia rematch in round two that, like on paper, doesn't seem right. I guess on a twofold one, um, is it even a certainty that it that it will be Virginia? They have a tricky first round game on the road that they got to deal with, and then two, are, are they a threat to Maryland legitimately, or is it just we, you know we think of Virginia and two time national champions? I think they're a legitimate threat, especially if they're healthy. 
and I'm not sure exactly what the state is for some of these guys that were nicked up. I mean, they played. They had guys like P.E. LaSalle on face-offs and Matt Moore on attack that were playing hurt uh, toward the end of the season. They'll have had 16 days between games by the time they play against Brown. I think that, you know, I think everybody in the sport wanted to be on the other half of the draw for Maryland. Um, part of it is because that gives three other teams the opportunity to knock them out before you have to potentially deal with them. But the other element of that is that it's pretty well acknowledged that Maryland's prep work, when it gets a week to get ready for somebody, is unparalleled in the sport right now. And so you don't want them spending four or five days getting ready for you. Mm. You would much rather have a 48-hour turnaround. And I think for Virginia, given the emphasis that it's placed on on fitness and endurance and things like that, and, and how that's played out on Memorial Day in 2019 and 2021, makes you think that they, they in particular would like that last day of the season scenario. And not just because they're in the last day of the season, but because I think that there's a little, it tilts a little bit more toward them. So instead you're, you're looking at dealing with Maryland on a, on a week to get ready. Maryland will have one less day than, than Virginia will if it gets through Brown. Uh, but I think Virginia has the goods uh, to be able to win a game like that, especially if they do have a if they do have a full complement of players to work with, I mean, I would I would tell you I think that Virginia is probably the third fourth best team in the field. Um, I, I don't know if I don't know if I'd put them ahead of Georgetown, uh, and you could argue any number of those Ivy League teams, uh, but I would I would think Virginia between the talent that it has and the motivation that it's going to have, having been embarrassed back in March. Uh, would be very, very excited to take on a team that it's already beaten twice in, in May uh, in the last few seasons on the way to championships. So I think that that may well be the game of the tournament, yep. uh, a, Mar- a Maryland-Virginia game in Columbus a week from Sunday. All right, total number of teams that can win the championship. Well, technically it's 18. Thank, thank you, um, I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, you know what? Um, nope, we'll just I th- – actually, I think that's better. So I think we'll just – no, go ahead. What's the number? Yeah, you know, I hadn't really, I hadn't really spent too much time thinking about that. I think everybody assumes that that Maryland is going to is going to roll. But the question is, is if Maryland gets knocked off, right, then it becomes um, really wide open, right? The bottom yeah. half, the bottom yeah. half of that that bracket. And so, you know, I mean, could I see Maryland losing to Virginia? Yeah. Could I see Maryland losing to a Yale potentially? Yeah. Okay. Um, I I, I don't know if, if with Penn's depth issues, whether on a Monday second game in three days, that would be a great matchup. I think we've already seen that the gap between Maryland and Rutgers is pretty significant. So, you know, but I do think that if if you had a scenario where Ohio State made it through, and I think Ohio State needed some time to get to get a little rest here too this week, you know, that's an interesting team that could that was playing a Cornell team that hasn't been great of late. Um will play you know, could play Georgetown at home and then could probably play a Rutgers team that it's seen a couple times, or, or Penn, or, or, or a Harvard, or a Richmond, I wouldn't count out that sort of a run. Uh, I think they're pretty good, and, and I, was, I was prepared for them to be a team that I probably had the most sympathy for on Selection Sunday, because they had the head-to-head win over Notre Dame. They had the head-to-head win over Harvard. Uh, and ultimately, they get in. So good for the Buckeyes, and, and I think that given the fact that they've already stood toe-to-toe with Maryland for three quarters would give them some hope and belief that they could do it again in a potential uh, matchup on the final day of the season. 
All right, let's play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this player has played for? Patrick, I begin with one that was tricky for me. I did not remember one of these teams, and the ironic part being he finished sixth in MVP voting the season he was with this team. He was only an all-star once, four teams for J.D. Drew. Well, J.D. Drew was definitely a Cardinal. Most certainly. J.D. Drew was definitely a Red Sox. He most certainly was. You've got you've bookended it. Okay. Um, was J.D. Drew in Atlanta? That was the, he finished sixth in MVP voting. I have no memory at all of J.D. Drew as an Atlanta Brave in 2004. Okay, and uh, 2005 and 2006 he was. was. He out in, was he out with the Dodgers four at that for point? Four. Of course he went four for four. Of course Patrick went four for four on J.D. Drew. Of course he did. So I've got to change because I gave you, I had an easier one lined up for our second one today. So I'll make that uh, maybe a little bit more difficult with our second name because you just rolled right through on J.D. Drew. How about uh, this man? Uh, he was a speedster, a shortstop, a man who was an all-star three times in his career, a former Rookie of the Year winner. And, again, I went three for four because I did not remember a nine-game stop he had somewhere. Raphael for call is the second Raphael for call was definitely an Atlanta Brave. Most certainly. He was definitely a St. Louis Cardinal. Most certainly. He was, I'm pretty sure, a Los Angeles Dodger, you've too. Got, you've got the ones. Now it's only the nine-game stint that he had in 2014 that's missing. 2014, nine games for Rafael Furcal. Um, did he end up with the Rockies? Ah, oh, no. Oh, I thought you were going to nail this. It, it, there's no reason why you would ever remember he spent Oh, nine. was he a Nat for those nine no, games? No, it wasn't nine, It wasn't the Nats. It was Miami. Miami was Miami? the stop for that nine was, games. That was something that had floated through my mind. Too. That's really funny. That's really funny. All right, sir. Um, uh, are you able to do a double dip this weekend? Uh, we're going to do a lot. Uh, I got a play-in game tomorrow. Robert Morris in Delaware, up in New York. That's right. Yep. Uh, and then Saturday, going to make the trip up to Penn oh, okay. to see them take on Richmond. Okay. And then we'll do the double dip on Sunday. Nice. Maryland against Maryland against Vermont or Manhattan, and then Georgetown against Delaware. Robert Morris. Yeah, they get the uh, the Sunday night spot that's usually saved for Syracuse. Goes to Georgetown this year at Discourse D One S Course on Twitter is how you follow him, USA Lacrosse Magazine. Patrick Stevens, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Awesome, one. Take care. Patrick Stevens joining us here on GCR, looking at uh, the breakdown of the brackets for the NCAA tournament. All right, so it was a busy first hour, but good news. We got we got some time. Well, that's not true. We got to do, uh, do uh, Paul's one-minute man. We got to do Cass's top five. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, the NCAA passing NIL legislation again yesterday, which is very weird and stupid, and we'll talk about it. Um, all that coming up in hour number two, and don't forget Simply the Bets on the way as well. And if you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley caught up with Rick Dempsey. Great baseball chat. You can find it right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan the fan, Ross Grimsley, Rick Dempsey talking baseball. What more could you ask for in the world? It's Glenn Clark Radio.
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at Pressbox sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today if you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR into hour number two of the program. Happy anniversary, Mrs. Clark. Eight years ago, she and I got married in an effing monsoon. Not a joke. May 10th, 2014. And we did everything at our house. We had a giant tent set up and... This like beautiful tree that we were gonna get married underneath that sort of faced out into the field, and um, we we did the cocktail hour in the barn and at the farm where we live, and like everything was was contained, and like around I want to say four o'clock, like it was never sunny at any point during the day, but like we had hopes that it would hold out, and then at about four o'clock it started to downpour, and I was hammered, like just the drunkest I've ever been in my life. And I don't think Mrs. Clark was in much of a different, uh, so she was quite emotional because she really wanted to get married underneath this tree. Like, because they were like, we got to move it inside. We got to move the, the thing into the barn. And she was distraught beside herself. And so like, she's, all of her friends are calling me like, oh, she's a wreck. She's a mess. 
And so uh, my drunken buddies and I literally started hauling. Like we went, we just, there's like a wedding planner and we just like, we don't care what you say. We're just going to move the chairs back out into the rain. And like every picture from the wedding is like everybody just holding an umbrella, like in the rain. <laughs> Dude, it was so bad that like the area underneath the tent flooded, <laughs> like mm. just flooded. It ruined the, we had a band playing, it ruined their equipment because like it was. It was so much rain that like the tent started to collapse. And it was a what a dr- and it was the it was the best day. It was just the best day. So happy anniversary, Mrs. Clark, uh, celebrating eight years together. All right, now hour number two of the program. Whew, brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available right now. We believe we are less than a week away from seeing Adley Rutschman at the major league level. Hey, is DL going to join us tomorrow morning? Is that a is that a done deal? Is that happening? It's not a done deal yet, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'd like that a lot. Uh, we uh, normally, when the Norfolk Tides are home, we go to Norfolk on Tuesdays. But we were trying to work it out that DL Hall could join us, and because he's pitching tonight. Um, they decided like that wouldn't be an option, so the plan was to try to move it to tomorrow so that D.L. Hall could be our guest, which I like. But Adley Rutschman on the cover of the new print issue of Press Box. Great cover story from Luke Jackson diving into his passion for baseball, his passion for catching, um, and the fact that despite the fact that he will be literally making his major league debut, his personality and who he is suggests he will be a leader on this team on day one when he arrives. So... If you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to go pick it up for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms or any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can also read the entire print issue at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, so Cass, what is your theme for the top five this week? What is? Mine's a little cheesy this week. Well, this is this is your final top five, isn't uh-huh. it? Yep. So I did my top five reasons why this was the best internship oh. ever. Yeah, oh. I know. It's my last one. Oh. I had what to. a nerd. That's so sweet. <laughs> That's so sweet. It's actually just all terrible things. How are we doing with the uh, the Bridgerton ball? It's actually is going that? really well, so we'll see. I'm just, the only thing that I'm worried about is I'm about to walk in here and Jordan's not going to find anything. Oh, Jordan's not even going to try. Yeah, I know. Like, there's no, know. there's no chance. But I said if you found something for me, I'd wear it. But you gotta. I'm not doing anything. I'm not putting any work in. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> okay. But I wear it. Okay. And we're doing, of course, Friday. We're having kind of a festive day because Andrew Stecker will also be here to eat his tarantula and huh? get his back waxed. Yeah, yeah. He's got to pay off his uh, his penance. He's getting he's getting his back. You could probably help out with a back waxing if you'd like. You could and the Stecker open. The Stecker cup. Stecker cup. The Stecker cup, cup is what we're competing for. We're going to have a ping pong tournament. We'll order some food. We'll have a ping pong tournament. I'm hoping that I'll have the uh, Old Bay Goldfish by then. So am I to provide the ping pong paddles and all that? Well, I'm s- I don't have any ping pong paddles. Neither do I. Well, somebody's got them. you got to have a buddy who's got a ping pong table that would let you borrow some ping pong paddles for a day and a couple of ping pong balls. I really don't think that. Well, I, I would maybe put it out to Twitter then. I would maybe crowdsource this a little bit. My, my, my best friend might. I'm going he to five below might. later. I'll look. For ping, do you think they sell that at Five Below? For yeah, ping sure, pong stuff? for sure. I think they sell like children's versions of ping. I don't. They yeah, probably sell solo cups and ping pong balls no. in, a, in a package. Well, ping pong balls, I think, are no problem. I mean, the paddles. Yeah. I don't know if they sell those. At Maybe five we should I'll make some makeshift paddles. I, that would be fun. It, not saying it wouldn't be fun, it's but I, I still want it to work. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I still want to actually be able to hold the tournament. Yes. That's uh, we're gonna have a festive day on Friday as we're celebrating the kids' final day here. Um, all right, we'll save that. We'll save that. We'll go first and discuss the Orioles winning a baseball game yesterday and taking a series 
from the Kansas City Royals, strange as the series was after a couple of rainouts. But does any of it matter? Well, that's always the question that we pose to our guy, the host of the Bat Around, our one-minute man. He is Paul Valley. All right, so Tyler Wells went out there yesterday, and he did a job. He went six innings. He allowed five hits, one run, no walks for the fourth consecutive start, less than two runs for the fifth consecutive start, uh, really providing the Orioles a spark in that rotation, something that they needed coming into this year, and he has not disappointed. You were nervous about the team because they weren't hitting the first three innings against a guy who's – uh, whip was close to two when he had walked 10 batters in 18 innings. He retired to side in order all three innings, but they got to him for six runs there in the fifth inning. So the bats got going just in time for a nice heat wave in St. Louis. Hopefully they can get some home runs there. Why it matters is because the Orioles are still getting good starting pitching from a guy who could be part of their future. Why it matters is that the bats are getting going at the right time. It's they they got to play some teams that are ahead of them uh, in the Cardinals, the Tigers, the Yankees. Not that the Orioles have playoff aspirations, but you want to see how they match up against some of the better teams in the league and going in, into that Cardinals series who's a first place team uh, you want to see how they fare against those guys as the rebuild gets closer to fruition they made it this time congratulations Mrs. Valley um, so a couple of thoughts one if you want to say in context of like is this a team that's making some amount of product progress a mm-hmm. modicum of progress the type of thing that one of the storylines we talked about is measuring Brandon Hyde as much as everybody said, well, his, his contract's not up at the end of the year, which, as I said before, doesn't mean anything. Means like you, you can you fire managers. You don't really like having managers manage in the final year of their contract. That's not I know Buck Showalter did it. But I think if we all remember correctly, that wasn't exactly a great situation for all parties involved. Um, you don't want that to be the case. So as you're trying to judge Brandon Hyde and figure out if you're going to let him have a longer time to work with this group, showing a modicum of progress is something that you'd like to see. Now, we have to be fair about that. I know that we're all the, the schadenfreude of um, the fact that the Orioles are ahead of the Red Sox in the standings makes for good Twitter fodder. But we can't pretend like that alone is an accomplishment. We do have to remember that it's humor and not try to say that it's somehow significant. Just because the Red Sox stink doesn't make the Orioles good. We, we, we've got to do our best because I do think that sometimes we understand that we're this is silly and let's, let's beat on, on the Red Sox on social media because it's fun and, hot, and trust me, I love it. But we sometimes when we do that, I feel like we create a new reality where we try to pretend like it's some sort of accomplishment. It's, it's not. Just because another team is unbelievably bad doesn't mean that you being not quite as bad as that is an accomplishment. It's just that's a statement about them, not about you. Um, but as far as a modicum of progress is concerned, you should be able to win series against bad baseball teams at home. E- even if you're not very good, if you're just showing that you're heading in the right trajectory – Winning some home series against bad teams is probably a good way to go about showing there's there's something there. We don't know what that is. It's certainly not. Let's not get carried away with it. I do think that there's a danger. There, I know um, my buddy Connor Newcomb was going on about them winning six of their last nine because it's six and nine, and that makes you know the internet yeah. loves that. But again, let's not allow ourselves to try to con. It, everything's changing for the Baltimore Orioles. Settle down. There would be a day. Where if, like, something really happens, we'll know, and we'll talk about it appropriately then. 
but let's settle down in the meantime and not pretend like things are accomplishments that aren't actually accomplishments. Let's say it in a more appropriate way, which is with the standard being very low and us trying to figure out if there at least is movement towards something, there are reasons to feel like maybe there might be. Small sample size still, long way to go. Um, yes, your point about Tyler Wells is probably the, the the thing that you take away and you say, look, I, and again, we, we're still, everything is weird because we don't know, there's such a conversation going on about the baseballs and the ball being deadened and what that's done to the game. And I, I don't know how to judge any of that. I don't know if at some point this year they're going to secretly switch out the baseballs and all of these pitchers are going to start sucking, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't, I don't know. I have no clue. But the idea that Tyler Wells maybe is proving that he could be a thing, yes, put it on the radar. Put it on the radar as we add to the list of somebody from uh, from column B that can join Jesus column A, right? Like, put that on the radar when terms of Tyler Wells maybe being a guy that could end up swinging over there. I'm good with that. Um, Austin Hayes continues to hit. That's he's certainly someone that's trying to move from column B to Jesus column A. Um, Mancini's average is up to 280. Quietly, it's just hard for me to come up with a way that that matters. You a know lot of I mean? infield like, hits. Like that's and, and it's not even just that. Like even even if he was having a, even if they were all you know solid singles to the outfield, mm-hmm. I, I just it's difficult for me to frame Trey Mancini succeeding outside of like. We just like Trey Mancini, mm-hmm. right? Like that. I always, I'm always going to feel good for Trey Mancini because I love Trey Mancini. But as far as for the big picture for the Orioles, right? right. I, you can't sell me on why Trey Mancini, Mancini hitting 280 is why it matters is is relevant in any way for this franchise. And that's it's just nice to see. There's two exactly. There's two separate conversations. We like Trey. We want him to do well because we like him. Versus an actual conversation about where the Orioles are and how how does he fit into that picture and you know, we talk about other guys, maybe trade value, and as I've said a billion times, you're just never getting trade value out of Trey Mancini. Mm-hmm. Like actual, you can do it for the sake of doing it, but you can't get actual trade man, uh, trade value out of Trey Mancini. So, I mean, my God, he would have to have like 30 first half home runs this season for him to suddenly be a guy that you could maybe get something for. Right. It's it's so out of whack what a Trey Mancini would have to do in order to create value at the trade deadline. He's He's what he is. And again, I, I like that. I love Trey. Love him. Happy for him. But I just, it's a different conversation um, as far as what actually matters for the Orioles. Um, so, yeah. So, so Tyler Wells to me was the story yesterday. And that's a good thing. And, and the conversation about doing, doing things you're supposed to do if you're proving that you can be, that you can move in a certain direction as a franchise and not be woefully moribund move closer to competition in the years to come winning a series at home against a bad baseball team is a small thing that you should be able to do so that's that's probably the the closest thing i can give you to where i can join you in something mattering they go to uh, st louis now for three games as paul pointed out yesterday and every it's it's unseasonably hot in Mm -hmm. st louis it makes no bloody sense I don't know what impact that has on anything. I have no idea, but it the ball is, travels further. That there's that. I just mean like are are guys prepared for that, right? Like right. on either side. I I don't know. I've w- this is something we talk about a lot in football. Where like if you play an early season game in Miami, yeah, guys aren't ready for it. 
you will see guys needing gas on the sideline because they are not prepared for playing a set. Even even having played or gone through training camp, right? They're just not ready for, and especially when it's like October, when it's when it's cooled off a little bit where you are, and then you go somewhere where it's still ninety some degrees. Mm-hmm. It is an impact, man. Like. It, it, almost to the point where the NFL shouldn't be playing one o'clock games in Miami uh, until like November, right? Because it's such an impact, and people it just catches you off guard. There is no real way to be fully prepared for what that does to you. I don't know how that impacts. I don't. Nobody in St. Louis, I think, is prepared for it to be ninety degrees right now. It's not. St. Louis is not a place where it's supposed to be ninety degrees on May tenth. It's it's a midwestern town. It's not a southern city. It's a midwestern place where they're used to it being what it's been in Baltimore of late until this point of the year. So I don't know what that does, but the Orioles are open the series. Who's pitching for St. Louis tonight? They hadn't announced they the starter. They still haven't announced They still haven't announced the starter. Um, everyone around the Orioles um, is kind of in agreement that the Thursday game will be a bullpen game to kind of get them through. I know uh, Paul was hoping and wishing and praying that maybe it would yeah. be Grayson Rodriguez, but um, the folks that, uh, that that are around the Orioles – and as I said, that's that that's nuts. I, I mean, knew it was a yeah, pipe dream. It was nuts. It was just a well, but it's just a bad idea beyond that. Yeah. Like it's a bad idea, and so they're they think that it's going to just be a bullpen game is the way yeah. that they'll go for Thursday. I, st- I still don't think that it would have any impact on people showing up to the ballpark for Grayson's first. Home um, you say that you there would still be a bigger crowd for Grayson Rodriguez's first start, but there. It it is definable. Like there is a track record of this. Like the 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 first. Is always more valuable than the first at home, right? Like when when the first at home also is the first, legitimately, there is the un. If Grayson Rodriguez were to go out and get shelled in his first start, yeah, there would be a serious impact on the excitement of the first home start. That's true. Like That's there would true. be a major damper. Not to say that there still wouldn't be people that would go, and that there wouldn't be others of us that would say, "Hey, let's not overreact to one start." But for the average dummy that lives in Sparrow's Point, that has to make that decision about whether or not they're going to go, that person's going to be like, really? I'm going to go watch this guy who just got his ass kicked in in his first major league start? You always want the first one at home to be perpetual hope. Yep. It's like when, you, when you're a week into the season and you get to opening day and your team's lost their first six games on the road and it's really hard to have that perpetual hope and who knows conversation that comes along with the celebration yeah, of opening day. That's kind of how I felt uh, on the home opener this year when the Orioles got swept in Tampa. They yeah. came home 0-3 and you're like, again? Like, I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's still opening day and you're still going to go and you're still going to do all that, but it takes away yeah. from what makes the day so magical and the same thing would be the case if Grayson Rodriguez were to go get shelled mm-hmm. in a start on the road it would just take away from the excitement of his first home start, which is just why you don't do it. You don't you don't allow for there to even be a risk of it. And someone would say, well, they'd pull him before he could really get shelled. Probably, but you just don't mess with it. You don't mess with it. You save it for home. You make your first start at home. I am very Kyle inter- Bradish, however, goes tonight. Yeah, I am very interested to see how Kyle Bradish does against that Cardinals lineup. Sure. That lineup's no yep. joke. Legitimate, very I, legitimate. I, I want to see what, what he can do against them. 100%. All right, that's the Orioles conversation for today. I think that's uh, I think we uh, we more than covered uh, what mattered. Now we turn our lonely eyes to Cass, Papa Cass, who is 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 leaving us. Although Cass has made it very clear, there's a chance she might just show up again. Although it won't be Paul won't be here. 
Paul said, right. if Cass isn't going to be here, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> That's how much you yeah. meant to Paul. That's Paul it. said, I didn't even if, want to do the last week without if you. If Cass yeah. won't be here, I don't want to be a part of the show. Makes sense. By the way, I am almost overwhelmed with uh, people that have reached out about the opening. I'm trying to get back to everybody's schedule interviews this week. If I'm, I'm going to have to end up having a cutoff to this. Like, if you think you know someone who might be interested in being the next producer and sidekick and co-host GCR, please email me my personal email, glennclarkradio at gmail.com, because we are running out of time to get more interviews scheduled this week. Um, appreciate everybody that's reached out so far. Uh, Cass's Top 5 is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by toyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Cass, your theme for the top five this week is... Why this internship has been the best. I can't believe you came up with five reasons. I, I can't believe you Actually, came up I with five. Actually, I struggled to get one, but... It was probably... The number one was Paul's cool. Right, yeah. there is no, that. that was yeah, the one. that was that the, was the that's one. definitely yeah. that's the end the end of the list, frankly. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. By the way, you might not feel the same way when I ask you to attack putting together our new fan after you do your top five. <laughs> no, I'll put it honestly, yeah, I was dying of a heat stroke, so I will put that we, fan we, up. Well, just in time for you to leave. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. in time for you to barely just use. But we will have a lot of people here on Friday, so we'll definitely need that fan for day. Friday for sure. Yeah. All right, uh, number five. Okay, number five is changing my loyalty to Royal Farms. Hey, we got that yep. figured out. But wait, we thought you always loved Rofo Chicken. Mm-mm. I thought chicken specifically. Nope. I never That was liked. just you smartly lying to us. Uh-huh. All right, I like that. Yeah. that. I'm glad that you smartly lied. But mm-hmm. after you tried it. It was good. You realized. On Easter Sunday, my dad was like, Wait a second. He's like, we're going to have to buy our chicken from Royal Farms now. So. Uh, Sunday was Mother's Day, so I took Mrs. Clark. Uh, to Royal Farms? No. Well, hang on. <laughs> hang on. I took Mrs. Clark and her mother to uh, brunch at the golf course in the morning. Because as you know, we are country club members. Oh, we are swanky. We're country club folk. <laughs> Every time we walk in, they look at me and they're like, yeah, him, him, <laughs> that guy. We sure? We sure about this? I have a membership number. I get to charge the tab. I'm like, nice. I, I get the bill. I assure you, I'm getting that I still bill. remember our tab number, our, our member number from when I was a kid. It was 406. Oh, look at you. I don't actually remember what our number is because we do not do this very often. This is not. In fact, I had to ask a person. I was like, I don't know what my membership number is. They were like, yeah, that's because uh, I don't think you've paid your dues. I, I, we're pool members, so we're not really members until the summer begins. Mm-hmm. But we do get to... to enjoyed Mother's Day brunch. So I took her to Mother's Day brunch. So we, I, didn't, I did the radio show. And after the radio show, I said, hey, what do you want to do for dinner? Because brunch was the big Mother's Day thing. And she was like, ah, I don't really feel like cooking. I'm like, you shouldn't have to. It's Mother's Day. I'll, I'll, I'll grill some burgers or something like that. But it just didn't feel like grilling weather, right? Like it was still chilly. It was still windy. It just didn't feel like grilling weather. Right. And so she was like, because nobody likes to grill and then eat inside. That's like, what we did on Sunday. See, that that's sucks. That's what we did. <laughs> I, that's, when you're grilling, you want to eat outside. Like, right. it's, you don't want to, or like if there's a back, a back patio or something like that that you can eat on where you feel like you're outside but you're really covered, something along those lines. We don't have that. We have no covered patio for which uh, to eat. We just have outside, outside, and a picnic table. And she was like, I don't really feel like sitting outside and eating. So what, we, so she and I are in agreement. We don't like grilling and eating inside. Not a fan of that. So she was like, 
what if we just got some fried chicken? And I was like, well, you don't have to tell me twice. So we indeed, I, for Mother's Day, we went to Rofo. That's a legit straight shoot 100% deal. So you're a convert. Mm-hmm. There will be more Rofo chicken in your for life. For sure. I like that. I like that. For sure. Number four. Number four is just because you guys have seen me with a couple of episodes on this show, and you've seen me with a couple episodes. A um, couple? Yeah. <laughs> maybe a little more with Paul Canavine as well. Um, so I just put gaining more confidence. Like being, I like that. That was a big thing that was really good about this internship is I just gained a lot more confidence. I think it was just because of the feeling safer, like not feeling judged. Say that, except for the fact that I watch you in front of a group of people just walk up and like look like a Baptist preacher. You That's were where she so got the confidence. Yeah, but God. exactly. And also, I don't care about those people. Oh, okay. That's the thing is like I don't Aww, care what they think of me. So that. like <laughs> with you guys, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, don't mess up, don't mess oh, up. You no, know? Yeah. No. You've, you've, uh, I mess up daily. Oh my God! If you knew all the times that Paul messed up, I of course do not. I never make a mistake. It's right. never, never occurred, never will. Mm-hmm. But Paul, Jesus Christ! Every other thing that he says, he screws up. My God, he gets most everything. Definitely, by the way, I I never screw up. Like going on the radio and saying that. Well, it's a seven inning doubleheader, so the Orioles are going to have to rally in the bottom of this inning. Definitely never would do that on the radio. <laughs> Did not occur. Number three is getting to hang out with Glenn and MC in the press box. That was ah, one of my doing favorite Stevenson things. lacrosse Stevenson games. Lacrosse games. Yeah. That was really fun. so. That was a cool part of uh, how we worked the internship for Cass. Is when she and I chatted in December. I said, "Hey, what are you what are you looking to do?" And I got the sense that she kind of wanted to hybrid it and both be a part of the show, and then learn more about doing live broadcasts. So. Um, in order to fill the hours for the internship, Cass was part of it. And that's a, you know, you're kind of a trailblazer because now I have new kids that I'm talking to about interning. So many people are coming up to me even still now. I got like a DM from someone who was like, hey, you're working with Glenn Clark, right? Like, could you get me in? Yeah. And I'm just like, no. There's a, par- there's a part of me that's like, oh my God, this is so fun. And then there's another part of me that's like, no, I'm, don't replace me. Like, <laughs> you're not coming. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> Deny. <The> irreplaceable. <laughs> um, so Cass got to be a part of the broadcast and doing that. And I think that's, the, I, again, I, I like that idea for future interns of being able to experience. That's what this business is. Like, it's not just this. It's not just it, like it is a multifaceted. You got to put fans together sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's the way that it goes. Search so for duct tape. I like yes, yeah, search for oh, duct tape, man. which we never found. We found four <laughs> different versions of packing tape. We could not have more packing tape. Actually, this isn't packing tape. This is just scotch tape. We have so much packing tape in this damn office, but we don't have any duct tape. So now you got to get duct tape, lime, a shovel, and some rope. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Number two. Number two would have to be. Something that I thought, I, well, at first I hated more than anything, mm. but was learning the tech board with ah. Paul being next to him and like doing that. That was actually a lot more fun than I thought, even though there was one time that I was like holding back the tears. I was yeah, Cass <laughs> was straight panicked about running the show. Straight panicked <laughs> about it. In fact, we, like, if she had been, I might have just had her keep doing it after a little while, but I could tell I wanted her to learn it, and she did, and she ran a show, and then I was like, okay, we're going to do some other things as the internship goes on because she was panicked panicked flummoxed Mm -hmm. of course we have a crowd of millions so i don't i don't the audience is so overwhelming i don't blame you for being nervous about it all i can remember is the one time i forget who it was called me and i didn't know like no one said like that he was going to be calling in and i didn't even know who he was i couldn't understand him on the phone and i was just like and then i just leon twyman yeah and i literally just shoved the phone in his face who's going to be joining us here in a few minutes on simply the bets 
And I had no idea. And then number one would just be meeting you and Paul and Jordan, of course. I have to call out Jordan. and just hanging out with you guys in here the entire time. Aww, that was my favorite part. Very sweet of you. Very sweet of you. Told I, you it was a little cheesy. John Colson's really offended that you didn't put him on the list. I honestly, I I have a bonus. There's like a little asterisk and a little bonus. Yeah. I was going to say beating John in um, Cornwall. Oh, did you beat him? No. Oh, okay. But I knew he would get furious <laughs> if I said that on you. Yeah. I saw it. Cass... So John Colson, our most worshipful grandmaster here at Pressbox, <laughs> he's been training for a high school reunion cornhole tournament. And so I would legitimately, I like one day I looked at Cass, I'm like, hey, Cass, because he, I could tell constantly he wanted me to stop what I was doing and go throw cornhole with him to help him train for this tournament. But like, you know, I've got about a thousand jobs. I don't have a lot of time to just play cornhole during the course of the day. So I looked at Cass one day and I was like, Cass, Go up to John and offer to play cornhole with him. And she was like, what? Really? I'm like, no, no, this is actually helpful. Like, this is something that would take the burden off of my shoulders if you would go do that for me. Because he <laughs> clearly wants me to go out there and throw cornhole with him. So I, I have, don't know if he knows, but I just lost so I could give him some confidence. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. I have bad news, though. That didn't work. He finished in second place. The <sighs> tournament was this weekend. He failed. And it was a winner-take-all tournament. So, <laughs> He got to the final, though. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that would be worth something. You'd Nothing. think that'd be worth I something. I could have either not at won all. the whole thing, just demolished him and humbled him, or take the choice of just, like, losing, giving him that ultimate confidence to go win. Right, the and ultimate. I choose that's, the ultimate confidence. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. I've got a 20-year... I host a uh, Can Jam tournament every year at my house. <laughs> I do love Can Jam. And we... It's part of... I, I do a, a big party every year where I roast a pig, and I host a Can Jam mm-hmm. tournament as part of it. Um, and we are also winner take all. And the first year that we did this, John Proctor, so we, we do a round robin and then we have the tournament, right? Like to set up seating for the tournament, we have a round robin and my buddy Jimmy and I, uh, beat everybody. We, we were untouchable in the round robin. But the problem is at this particular party and, and at this particular point in my life, I was very inebriated as the day went on and things started to fall apart as the day went on. So John Proctor was apparently so he's the uh, crooked commissioner of the tournament and so he collects everyone's money and I had I don't know why I had rented a dunking booth for this particular party (laughs) just because I thought it would be humorous and people would enjoy it and it was it worked out everybody enjoyed it Proctor was so convinced that he was going to lose and that I was going to win and of course Proctor and I are blood rivals um, that he threw the money to the bottom of the dunking booth but the idea being that when we won, he was like, congratulations, now you got to go get it from the bottom of the dunking booth. And then we lost, and he won. <laughs> so he had to go dive himself into the dunking booth. <laughs> nice. After the sun was already down, like we had to have like, every, oh my God, it was a nightmare. That's what you um, get, Proctor. Yeah, exactly right. That was the first one. Um, but yeah, 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 I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to another Can Jam tournament, but we do the same thing, winner take all, winner take all for our Can Jam tournament. I've got a 20 year high school reunion coming up on June 11th and it's $40 a person. That just, doesn't, uh, for reunions actually doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, I, I'll end up but doing What do it. you get out of it? Like, is, is there a nice buffet? Is it open bar? You know, I, the problem I is no when idea. it's four, when the problem is when it's $40 and they're like, and you get a sandwich and it's a cash bar and you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I don't need to see these people so bad. Now, if it's nice, if it's like a bull roast and like open bar, then $40, hell yeah, I'm in. So uh, there's a couple that I went to high school with uh, who, who married, 
and they own Uncle's Hawaiian Grinds. Oh, I enjoy that. And, well, we um, don't we don't give out free advertising, but I do enjoy that, that um, establishment. Sorry, the, the, yeah, <laughs> they own Ants. Yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. We've, already, we've, already, we've given it away already. Yeah. Paul. Um, but anyway, so th- that's where it's going to be. Well, and I mean, it's, a, it's a nice establishment. I like, and the, f- they're, I, they're, I like the food there. They're, they're, they're great people. I have no you, idea what you, it entails. You Maybe go it see Top tell. Gun afterwards. I could go see Top Gun go afterwards. Um, yeah, I, I just I haven't put forth the money yet because it's like it's eighty bucks. Simon Habdamarian and I are going to see Top Gun together. We're going to hold hands. We might do the popcorn trick. The whole I heard deal. it took so long to come out because Tom Cruise kept firing people. No, it took so long to come out because there was a global pandemic. Paul. Right, but but I hear I heard it was supposed to come out, come out even like last year, but he kept firing people. Uh, no, I think the I mean that that might it might be true that he was firing. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it was about they wanted to make sure that like people were back in theaters yeah. and that it wasn't. Well, that too. Because I actually we, heard the same thing. I, I'm not saying. No, no, I know. I, I heard. Are that, the young youths going to talk about this on? Uh, do the young youths care about Top Gun? I mean, I, I really like Top Gun. But you're Gun. unique I in dressed that way. up as a maverick. Right. You told us that. Yeah. I'm really excited about Top Gun. And also, it's getting good reviews, and I like I like everything nice. about that. So, I'm yeah, Simon and I are going to go hold hands and watch the film together. If anybody wants to... No, you know what? No, this is a mandate. Nobody can join us. Mm-hmm. We're going on the 27th. I guess you could have your own mandate at the same time. And I guess it's 2022, so women should be allowed to have mandates, too. Mm-hmm. Mandate but like, the mandate? Yeah, like we could have we could be like a couples event. So Simon and I we're gonna be a we're gonna have a mandate, and then if you would also like to have a mandate, but you can't be a third wheel because we're having our own mandate. It's got to be a couple situation. If we're gonna do it this way, we're gonna go see Top Gun together. I'm looking forward to it. Cass, uh, we'll talk more about it on Friday. But uh, we of course have, have loved having you here, and uh, you never know we might see more of Cass in the future. Mm-hmm. Just might be the way that it works out. That was thank you. That was very sweet. Top five for you oh to do. Yes, after Friday, that. I'm never going to see you again. Stop. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's, there's a good chance of that. Mm. Mm. We should. Oh, do we play like on Friday? Do we play uh, uh, Graduation Day by Vitamin C as the mm. show ends? Do we? <laughs> as we go on. Does that song mean anything to you? Yeah. Okay. All right. For sure. I, I, don't, I don't know. I thought these were my keys, and I was sort of fiddling with them. It turns out they're Cass's keys, so that's weird. <laughs> All right, we'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit, and we'll get tubular next. And then, Simply the Bets, it's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, winding down for Glenn Clark Radio. Simply the Bets coming up in just a couple of minutes. Hey, a couple of notes. One, Brian Powell just uh, showed me. I did not know that this was happening. Uh, Apparently Everton and Arsenal are slated to play a friendly in Baltimore on July 16th. What? 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 Why didn't you tell me? Okay, well, she just found about it this morning. All right, um, so that's a cool thing. Unfortunately, I'm away that week. I am. Uh, I'm gonna. That's my my vacation week this summer. But um, very cool thing. And again, as Baltimore tries to solidify itself as a World Cup host city for 2026, these are the types of events that go a long way in solidifying uh, that spot. So hopefully, a big crowd for it. The, it's always a tricky part about playing these one-off international or these. Um, Club friendlies in the summer, though, is you just don't know who's playing. Like you don't know because these aren't real. These are these are exhibitions. You just don't know like exactly what it is that you're getting um, when it comes to these things. But the word is, according to Everton, they announced that they will be playing Arsenal on July 16th in Baltimore. It doesn't say M&T Bank Stadium, but I think we can go ahead and make that assumption because where the I don't think they're playing it at Johns Hopkins. It's just my guess. Maybe that's why they built the, they pushed that wall back. So they can make it. You know, it's funny you say that because a lot of baseball stadiums have hosted soccer matches over the years, and like, as nutty as it is, I don't. When they announced Orioles Entertainment, I was told that other sporting events were also something that they wanted to accomplish. So I, again, I'm not saying that's the reason at all that they moved the wall back, but in figuring out how you can get a soccer field or a soccer pitch onto the field at Camden Yards, like it would probably have to go left field right. to home plate in order for it to work. It would not be an ideal circumstance, but it would have to be for – like you wouldn't host a real soccer match there. You would host a, Maybe a football a game club or friendly. like a bowl game or something. You know, it's funny, right, because I I remember talking years ago about like the possibility of of playing – 
say, if Maryland and Navy wanted to play every year, which is not possible, just mm-hmm. the way that... But, like, if you wanted to keep that alive, and at some point you felt like... Um, and by the way, Brian Powell does confirm that it's at, it's at M&T. Um, that you wanted to get some juice to it because it started to lose kind of its luster, that that might be a neat way to do it, is to make it at the baseball stadium instead of making it at the football stadium one year, that, like, people would come back out of the woodwork. Because the truth is that, like... As much as I love Maryland and Navy, they, they're not. This is not Alabama and and Florida that we're talking about, right? It's right. and and it's been a while now, so there would be juice again to these teams playing against each other just because it hasn't happened in so long. But if they ever wanted to make it a a more regular thing, which couldn't be annual, it's impossible for it to be annual just because of the in the number of opponents that Navy needs to face every year between their conference and their traditional rivals. But if they wanted to make it more regular in the future, I actually think it'd be very cool for for there to be a, a football game at, at does, Camden Yards. Does Maryland football even really have a rival? Um, no, but never never has. I mean, like the, I guess Penn State's as close as it gets, right? But that's it's not a rival as much yeah. as it's a big. They have big game when like when they play a non conference game against West Virginia, which they play fairly regularly. That's a big game, mm-hmm. right? That's a game that stands out that matters. But they don't have a, a rival, and it's look. It's got to be good to have. You either have to have a true in-state, like Washington and Washington State, don't really matter all that much in college football. I know Washington made the playoff a couple, like once, and that was kind of a crazy thing. But they don't really matter in college football. But it's such a natural in-state. Oh, you know, Arizona, Arizona State is a better argument. It is a blood feud, man. But nobody cares about Arizona or Arizona State football. Mm -hmm. To be this caliber of program, it would have to be an in-state rival. And while, yes, Navy is in-state, it's a very unique – the average kid doesn't grow, in, grow up choosing, do I want to go to Navy or Maryland? That's not the way that it works. True. So it's just kind of difficult to have that. Um, Paul reminded me, yes, Raul Ramos sent out a tweet last night about uh, the Orioles being interested and in, I guess, a, a workout. Is that what it was? Yeah, they'll be, ta- or they'll be talking – with agent Brody Van Wagnon. I had no idea that Brody Van Wagnon had gone to being Robinson Cano's agent after his time in the Mets front office. I had no clue that that's... Neither did I. I guess he was an agent beforehand and then got into a front office. Um, but they'll be talking with him about Robinson Cano. Baltimore is intrigued with the second baseman. Um, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say about that, honestly. If, if the point is... It's somebody else who's not Rugnet Odor, and there's clearly nobody that you're blocking, so you could do the Robinson Cano experiment for the rest of the season if you wanted to. Fine. Fine. Um, what we've seen of Robinson Cano suggests that's probably over at this point. Um, you know, obviously didn't play last year, and then this year, I mean, it was it was dreadful for him to start the season Um with the Mets, so I, I'm I'm just guessing that it's over with Robinson Cano, but what I, I just I don't really I really don't have anything to say. I don't have anything strong to say about Robinson Cano as a steroid user. I don't really care about that. I just I have nothing significant to say about Robinson Cano. If the Orioles want to do that, fine, whatever. I mean, whatever. It it it's not. It certainly won't be something that will get me to buy a ticket to a baseball game is to see right. this version of Robinson Cano. It will not make me say I need to be at the ballpark for that. I, if, if it makes you do that, then I need, think you need to reevaluate your priorities. 
but it's a thing. It exists. All right, we need to get a tidbit and tuba to wrap up for the day. Tidbit is brought to you today by Glory Days Grill, where the spring seasonal menu is available, and it's marvelous. The strawberry salmon salad is available. The opener, the flash-fried pork belly with the Korean number 2 sauce, the Cracker Jack Sunday, all available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in. All right, sorry, i gotta, I got to pull it up. Mm. Mm. Well, how could you possibly know that it was coming? I knew it was coming. Yeah. It just took me longer longer than I expected. All right. Yesterday, Tyler Wells picked up his first win of the season, going six innings, allowing one earned run on five hits, no walks, and three Ks. It was his fifth straight start, allowing two earned runs or less, and fourth consecutive start with no walks. In fact, Wells hasn't walked a batter since April 16th. He said he hates walking guys, and so he just stopped doing well, it. Well, I, I, more people should say that, maybe. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. His ERA now stands at 375 on the season, and his whip is now 1.13, and 0.98 for his career. Overall, it was Wells' third career victory, the other two coming in relief last season. Of course, those three wins are a far cry from the most in Orioles history. Eight Orioles have 100 or more career victories. Who are they? Messina. Messina, number three on the list, 147. Palmer. Palmer, number one, 268. McNally. McNally, number two, 181. Flanagan. Flanagan, number five, 141. How many did you say there were? Eight. Uh, so you got four left. Quayar. Quayar, number four, 143. Um, 100. 100. Boy, mm. that is tricky. McGregor. McGregor, uh, number two, 138. Not number not number two. Sorry, I raced him. It, it, he was number six, I believe. Yes, number six. I'll believe you. Um... I would have been really surprised if Scotty McGregor was the number two all-time leader in wins in no, Orioles no, history. Number six. Uh, oh God, this is where I feel like I'm going to end up losing one. And they're all Orioles. There are no St. Louis Browns that on this correct. list. That is correct. I made sure because there were two St. Louis Browns in the top yeah. ten. Yeah. Um, uh, Pat Dobson? No. Yeah. Uh, how about... Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. How about Ben McDonald? No. Didn't pitch long enough there. I understand that. Milt Pappas? Milt Pappas, 110, number seven on the list. You have one more. Dennis Martinez. Dennis Martinez, El Presidente, 108. Actually, in hindsight, I'm kind of mad that I – I probably should have guessed Dennis Martinez before Pat Dobson. Honestly, I'm kind of mad I didn't go eight for eight, but uh, I, don't feel like I, I don't feel like I did poorly. Those were the two; those those last two were the ones I thought you were going to struggle. Yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, those are the ones that they are definitely the most difficult on the list. All right, very good. Uh, here's coming up tonight: totally tubular, tub- totally tubular is brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise this evening. The Orioles indeed begin a series in St. Louis against the Cardinals. Kyle Bradish is on the mound against TBA, 745 on Masson 2. Masson, Mets National, 7 o'clock. TBS, Red Sox Braves at 7 o'clock. Ooh, that works. Good job, Ooh. Cass. Ooh. That fan feels nice. Ooh. Oh, I'm feeling good. MLB Network, Tigers Athletics 1, Cubs Padres 9.30. TNT, Sixers Heat, Game 5 at 7.30. Mavericks Suns, Game 5 at 10. Both those series tied up to a piece. By the way, the Warriors stunk last night. They they should offer to give that back. That was 
one of the that was such an atrocious basketball game. ESPN Bruins Hurricanes game five at seven. Blues Wild game five at nine thirty. ESPN two Lightning Maple Leafs game five at seven thirty. Kings Oilers game five at ten. Uh, Washington Mystics host Vegas tonight at 7 on NBC Sports Washington. Aston Villa and Liverpool at 3 on the USA Network. And D.C. United in the U.S. Open Cup tonight against New York Red Bull, 730 NBA, or ESPN Plus. USA Network for WWE NXT at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Uh, the Kids in the Hall are going to be on the Tonight Show starring Jimmy are they, Fallon. Are they doing something? Is I, there a... I, I guess so. Okay. They put, uh, I haven't heard from them in like 30 years. Oh, I was going to say. Um, then you also have, you have a bunch of new series that are coming out on Netflix. You've got 42 Days of Darkness, uh, The Circle Season 4. Operation Mincemeat, Our Father and the Getaway King, and then, you know, stuff and things. All right, very good. Thanks today to Maryland women's lacrosse coach Kathy Reese. Thanks to Patrick Stevens, ESPN's Kylie McDaniel. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. I am to understand. You know how this works. Fool me once. Shame on, shame on, on me. Fool me twice. Well, but we won't get fooled again. You know how this goes. I'm told Daniel Falele is going to join us tomorrow. New Ravens offensive tackle. We will see. Um, we're going to. We think we're going to Norfolk to chat with DL Hall. We're going to go to Bowie tomorrow. Yes. Is that? Do we know? Uh, yeah. He he texted me like earlier this morning. But is it Garrett Stallings? Is that who we're? I think it is. Let me. Okay. Let me All right. Check. Whatever. Stuff and things. That's what we're doing tomorrow on the program. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Cass, you're on social media where? Instagram, Cassidy underscore Elizabeth22, and then Twitter, CassieButler5. Thank you to Cass. Thank you to Paul at Paul Valley the Third. Thank you to Ryan at RexSpecsRyan. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. If you are with us on audio, do nothing. If you're with us on video, give us a minute. We'll be back with Simply the Bets. And welcome into Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Glenn Clark, Paul Valley with you as we're going to try to win some money. It was a uh, mixed bag for me this week. The Canelo Alvarez thing, yuck. Rose Namahunas. It was a worse fight and a worse result somehow. Just brutal. But we get back out on the horse. Also, I had uh, the Bucks in Game Three last night too. So, yeah, they or Game Four, I guess it was. Not, not a great couple of days. Not a great couple of days. Got to pick it up. Got to pick it up, and we will let uh, Aaron Oster try to help us win some money uh, from Veasan. He's going to join us here in just a minute, and then later on in the program, our buddy Leon Twyman, the assistant GM of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, will check in with us to let us know what's going on. Don't forget, the FanDuel Sportsbook is the place to be for every big fight, including later on this month, Gervonta Davis, Tank, Baltimore Zone, 
back in action, taking on Rolando Romero. And if you want to be there for the fight in the FanDuel Sportsbook, using the 61 self-service kiosk to get all of your bets in, then what you need to do is email events at sportssocialmd.com and tell them you're coming. You want maybe a table. Maybe you want some reclining chairs for you and your party, your friends, to hang out, watch the fights. Again, May 28th for Javante Davis, Rolando uh, Romero. That's the next big one coming up, and you'll want to be there in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Joining us now to offer us some advice for the week, he is our buddy Aaron Oster from Mountain Vegas at VEASAN, and he's with us here in Simply the Bets. What's going on, pal? How are you? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, not quite as well as anybody who bet uh, Rich Strike over the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not nearly as well as anyone who bet Rich Strike, and your boy was not in that category. Had Real, I, I'm stunned. Oh, God, I was just talking about some of the struggles that I had this week, and I didn't even include the Kentucky Derby. I had Canelo, I had Rose Namahunas, I had I had Canelo, unfortunately, in a few different parlays, because I thought it was a safe bet! Thought that was pretty safe! They literally build an entire platform around Canelo Alvarez, and he doesn't fight anybody real just so he can stockpile wins. And he lost to Dimitri Bivol. Felt really good about that. Um, and I had him in a ton of parlays over the weekend. Uh, anyway, the moral of the story being, yes, on top of that, I probably had eight different Kentucky Derby bets, and none, none involving Rich Strike. None. I mean, I hit, of course. I hit, I hit like a, a cheap place bet on uh, Zandon, but that's it. Like, it was a bloodbath. A bloodbath for your boy. Well, um, you are somehow, I don't know how you're doing this with Orioles-related bets, <laughs> but going back-to-back, back, or I guess, was it back-to-back back or was it two out of three, uh, be, be, picking the Orioles to score a first-inning run when they had, hadn't done it at all, and then following it up with getting a, a hit from Rugnet Odor, I... I don't know what. Are you some sort of sorcerer? Are you some sort of wizard, sir, with hitting these Orioles? I'm baseball prop magic. That must be the case. Must be the case. Um, uh, still, still a few things that are longer-term payouts that we will monitor as that goes on. But that was a that was a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent little uh, uh, hit for you last week. And then you also hit on uh, Jason Tatum uh, hitting three and a half threes. In that game against the Bucks, so you know, mm-hmm. pretty good start, pretty good start to the week uh, for you for last week. Let's get into five L's for this week again. Not five losses. Aaron's got five different bets for us with L themes as he tries to help us win some money. And we do begin with the local bet. That is our first L. Are you going back to the well? I, I kind of have to simply because. Uh you know, there's not a whole lot else going on. I guess, like, you know, there's, I was hoping actually some uh, maybe lacrosse bets would pop up, something, yeah. get to it, something a little bit different. Really been able- yeah, that's a little disappointing for me, by the way. Yeah, so I haven't really been able to find anything there. So I'm going back to the well, and fortunately, there's not a lot up on this game because the Cardinals, uh, uh, the Cardinals pitcher is not up. So, you know what? I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to go back to how this uh, little run with the Orioles started. Uh, the Cardinals are one of the best teams at getting a run in the first inning. They are the second best team uh, in baseball right now. 
So I'm just going to say it. I'm going to have the Orioles Cardinals. Yes. First inning run in this game. All right. I, 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 I'd hate this bet, but it worked out the last time. So I'd be a fool to not agree with you this time. I would be <laughs> a fool to not uh, uh, go join you. And considering I've been a fool quite a bit over the course of the last three days, I, I need something that hits. So, I will take a shot with you on a first inning run tonight. And a reminder, that's either team. So despite the fact that it's the Cardinals yep. that have been mm-hmm. so good at it, if it's the Orioles who score a first inning run for whatever reason tonight in St. Louis, and the bats have certainly come to life a bit, um, then that, that that pays out as well. Let's go to long term. Let's go to a futures bet. What's something you got your eye on? Uh, this one's interesting. This one, unfortunately, again, it's one of those things where I liked it a lot better yesterday, and I wake up this morning, and the line has moved a little bit. But I'm looking uh, at football here. Again, I'm continuing to kind of get my portfolio together for the NFL, so a ways off. But you can get some interesting lines now if you're willing to let your money sit for a while. I'm looking at the NFC East, where right now the uh, Cowboys are a pretty significant favorite there. But I'm not sure why they're so significant of a you favorite. Know, you know, no, you know exactly why they're so significant of a favorite. Because they're the Cowboys. Oh. That's it. That's the and because yeah, well, people bet them because they're dopes, and so the odds have to be at a certain place because of that. And and that's certainly a, a big uh, part of it. Though it's been interesting uh, over the past couple of years, the Cowboys have not been nearly uh, as popular of a bet. Uh, I would say. But either way, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, have had a great offseason. They've made some good moves. Obviously, they got A.J. Brown. I think uh, getting Jordan Davis was a really great move in the draft. I think that they arguably have just as good of a team, if not a better team, than the Cowboys. And right now, you can get the Eagles to win the NFC East at plus 240 uh, at FanDuel. I really like that, because like I said, I think at worst, they're as good as the Cowboys. They might be better than the Cowboys. So if you get that at plus two forty, I think it's a pretty good bet. Um, hey, look, I I struggle to have faith in the Eagles just because it requires having faith in Jalen Hurts, right? But to your point, I mean, this is now he's throwing the ball to Devontae Smith and AJ Brown. Um, it's it's kind of you know it's definitely an Esser get off the pot type of season for the Eagles with Jalen Hurts now. I. In, in that division, sure. I think your point about the value is well taken. The, the Cowboys kind of skew things a little bit. There's value on the Eagles. I'm just I, – I, I just am not very confident. I mean, frankly, I'm not confident in just about anything. I, I, I feel like I just utterly stay away from the NFC East because it's also possible that, like, both teams have their quarterbacks get hurt and then you're talking about a 7-10 and 10 Washington team somehow winning the division by default. Yes, I mean, it, that's very possible because, you know, it's the NFC East and the NFC East is stupid, and all of those things are very, very true. Again, that's why, you know, you're getting plus 240. It's not like this is a lock for the Eagles right. or anything. Right. It, it's a, it, it's an implied probability of 28%-ish, I want to say. Um, so do I think that there is a 28 per, better than a 28% chance that the Eagles win? Yeah, I do. I, I think, honestly... This should be something closer to plus 50. All right. Give me your long shot. Give me your underdog that you like. You know, I haven't really been seeing a whole lot of underdogs. I kind of went through some of the awards really quickly. Um, didn't really see much I liked. And so uh, I, I talked to one of my buddies yesterday who has been hitting it like crazy when it comes to golf this season. Uh, over at VEASAN, our Long Shots podcast has been just dominating golf. And so I, I kind of went through and I was like, okay. What kind of things going on uh, this week at the Byron Nelson? 
and uh, he gave me a long, long shot that I really, really like. That's uh, Ryan Palmer in the Byron Nelson at 125 to 1. Why do you and like Ryan Palmer? What, 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 what is to like about that? Uh, he's actually done well at this course before. Uh, he's been pretty consistent, and, and it's one of those things where, again, this is a long shot. You're taking a flyer on something. Uh, he's been hitting the ball pretty well. He's done well at this course. There's things that profile pretty well here. And when, again, you're taking a flyer. This is something where, just like people who bet Rich Strike, they were just like, you know what? If it hits, I want to be on that. Okay. It's the same kind of thing here. Okay. So in honor of, uh, of, Rich, of Rich Strike. Strike of Richard Strike. <laughs> I hear you. We're going with yeah. whatever whatever Ryan Palmer is. Uh, in yeah. order, I believe Jim Palmer's son uh, to win exactly. the, the PGA's Byron Nelson. Aaron Oster from Veasan is with us. He's given out his five L's for sports betting this week on Simply the Bets. Let's go to the one. You know, whatever it is that you do, do not make this bet. We, stop! Stop immediately. Make any other bet than this one. What is your loser? So this is going to be funny coming off of my praise of the Eagles. And this is going to be a little bit different from most of the losers I've given out in the past. When in the past, I've always been looking for a favorite that I think, you know, it doesn't quite make sense they're the favorite. Something along those lines. In this case, I'm going to respond to a report I saw yesterday. And then after talking to some other reporters, it seems like it's happening all over the place. Since the draft, by far the most popular NFL MVP bet has been on Jalen Hurts. It's gotten to a point where it's been cut from 50 to 1 to 25 to 1. It's at the point where basically every book, their biggest liability is on Jalen Hurts. Don't bet Jalen Hurts for MVP. Um, I would like to think that would go without saying. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you would think it would go without saying, but again... Everybody is betting the uh, Jalen Hurts, and, and this is something that happens pretty much every year. I remember back in 2019, everybody was getting really weirded out because everybody was coming in and betting Mitch Trubisky for MVP, and to the point where he, I think he closes like the fifth favorite what? that season because just everybody was betting it, and this kind of feels like the same thing. Um, Look, I, I understand why it's exciting. A.J. Brown, all of a sudden, he has an offense around him. But, like, last year he had 3,200 yards passing and 800 yards rushing. Nice little season. But when you consider that the absolute floor to even be considered would be, you know, probably, what, 4,000 yards yeah. passing and 1,000 yards rushing and a bunch of touchdowns in there, um, that's a big jump. He's not going to do that. Please, especially at the prices now, please don't bet Jalen Hurts to win MVP. That's just not a good yeah, thing to do. Yeah, that's look, and I get it. Somebody would say make a comparison to Lamar Jackson here, but I mean, come on, man. Like that's no, no that, it's, it's completely different. Yes, yes. Like Lamar Jackson, you knew would put up unprecedented numbers in the rushing game. He he was the offense, right? And that's not what he is. Again, if you told me that Jalen Hurts, that they would say, all right, we're unleashing Jalen Hurts here, or whether it's Jalen Hurts who didn't want to do it or whatever, and they would say, what we're going to do, we're going to absolutely unleash him with the legs. He's going to have 1,500 yards rushing. He's going to be the red zone threat. He's going to be getting all of those. I would say, okay, you sure, know what? Right. There's something there. Right. But I don't uh, think that's a thing. I, I, I just... 
Ten, tend to agree with you, sir. Tend to agree with you. All right, now the one. The one that you say, whatever you got to do, get there. My God, by any means necessary, be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland in Hanover. You know, Hop on the friend's shoulders and let them carry you there. Whatever it takes, a piggyback ride from Hartford County to Hanover if necessary <laughs> in order to get this bet in. What is the bet that you love this week? All right, um, I'm jumping back on, as, as I said last week, one of the things I really like doing, uh, you know, now that we're at this time of the year, is look at the various uh, player props in the uh, NBA playoffs. And I'm looking at the Mavericks-Suns game here, and I'm looking at uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, who has been on fire. Eight threes uh, in game four. He had eight, game, uh, eight threes in games four. He's just really doing it all, whether it's he had a bad game in Game 2. But overall in the playoffs, he's just been doing it all. And I really like uh, looking at FanDuel Sports right now. They do have a points and a assists combo. And for Dorian Finney-Smith, it's 13 and a half. Um, you know, even if when he doesn't get his, uh, you know, those eight threes or whatever, and just uh, light it up on points, he's really been doing well on uh, – just all around. So, yeah, I kind of like that. Give me 13.5 points and assists for Dorian Finney-Smith. That's combined. 13.5 combined points and assists for Dorian. Yes. Right. Well, I mean, I, I like that bet, too, frankly. I do. I, I get it. It's the road. I, this is why I'm not panicked as a Suns fan is because I, when you're a team that, that has to hit that number of threes in order to win, it's harder to do that on the road. So I can get where you would say, hey, he's not – on the road, it will be difficult for him to replicate what he did in Dallas, but still, that's not a very big number. That is not a very big number. No. And actually, I mean, whichever way you wanted to play this, I actually, I was just, I had just pulled up points. I thought it was points and rebounds versus I was reading it out there, and I just realized they have points and rebounds there. So if you actually instead liked his points and rebounds at 17 and a half, you could play that as well. Okay. Um, I think that it's, he's actually, uh, you know, kind of doing it all there. So whichever one you like better, the 13.5 points and assists, if you want to keep the number a little lower, or if you want to go rebounds, which he has been doing a little more on, and the 17.5, I think both of those are pretty nice. All right, very good. Those are your five L's this week from Aaron Oster. Aaron, remind everybody what's going on with Eason. You know, we are uh, still going. Obviously, a lot of the big events are past. The Kentucky Derby is past, but we have Preakness. We have fights. We have a number of things going on. Of course, we have the NFL schedule release this week. You know, lines are already coming out for all of these games that are being played. So now, can, can, wait, wait, wait can crazy. you bet the Christmas Day game right now between uh, the Broncos and the Rams? As soon as lines come, as soon as games are being announced, oddsmakers are putting out games, are putting out lines. Nuts. So yes, if you are crazy enough and you want to play those games, I'm not sure why, but you know what? Some people want to. Maybe they think they have the edge and they want to be the first person to get a bet down, but as soon as uh, those lines come out, they will be going up on VEASAN.com. There will be analysis on them. So check it out, VEASAN.com. Right, very good. At the AOSTER on Twitter is how you follow him. My friend, appreciate you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week. Hope you guys catch some tickets. It's Aaron Oster from out in Vegas at VEASAN. When we come back in, we'll move a little bit closer to home. Our buddy Leon Twyman from the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel joins us next. This is Simply the Bets. 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Actually, you're listening to Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Uh, by the way, I am told that uh, we mentioned the uh, Arsenal-Everton match coming to Baltimore. Tickets will go on sale on Thursday for that match. So if you want to be there on July 17th, is that the date? No, July 16th is the date for that match. If you want to be there, tickets go on sale on Thursday. All right. Yes, John Colson. Did you find some AAA bet? Oh. Oh, hooray! We got We can use the uh, the remote control for the fan now. I like everything about that. All right, what's that? It did not come with batteries. Yeah, that's the story. Settle down. Why are you all worked up, John Colson? All right, let's uh, let's head down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, where our guy, Assistant General Manager Leon Twyman, is standing by. Leon, what's going on, man? How are you? 
Hey, I'm good. How are you all this week? I'm all right. So we were just talking with uh, Aaron a second ago because they've already announced a couple of NFL games. For the, we know the whole schedule is going to be out this week. But have you guys, has there officially been a bet put in on an NFL game as of yet, given the three that have been announced? Or do you think we're going to start seeing actual NFL bets come in as the full schedule is announced on Thursday? Uh, definitely this week we will, for sure. Uh, we haven't had anybody really bet the uh, first game that's available right now with us, but I see this week we're, we're going to get hammered for sure this week with the schedule release. It's nuts, by the way. That's, it's nuts. Like, it's it's May. I get it, man. I'm all for I'm all for being aggressive. It's May. I don't even know right. who's going to play in these games. <laughs> so what are we doing? But the odds will – there will be odds for – is it just for week one games that the odds will go up for this week? Uh, you know, from my past experience, they may put up the first two weeks. Um, but we'll see how what they do this week with the schedule release. Um, definitely the first week, but – I'm anticipating the first two weeks. As of right now, the only regular season game that's available to bet is the Chargers-Chiefs-Amazon Thursday night game on uh, September 15th. And the Chiefs, for what it's worth, are three-point favorites at home. So just keep – but by the way, now that I think about it, a Thursday night home game, they're only three-point favorites? You know what? Yeah, I might have a... to. I might have to bet the chief. I'm insane. I might have to bet the chief. <laughs> Get it in early. Keep that oh, oh man. All right. So, uh, Leon. Obviously, I know it was a big fight weekend. I would uh, prefer if we did not discuss the results of said fights because <laughs> it was a not so great weekend for your boy who had Canelo on a lot of parlays because I thought it was a safe bet. I'm an idiot. Oh. Same, same way. I had him on every single one of my parlays. Really? And I usually do not parlay a lot of hockey. Okay. Because I am not the greatest when it comes to betting uh, hockey. Uh, you and I and, both, my friend. And I literally hit every hockey bet I had on there. And oh, that was and it was Canelo that killed it? Oh, that is brutal, <laughs> man. That is brutal. Um, it's still, we know Javante uh, Davis fighting later on this month, so everybody's going to want to be there in the FanDuel Sportsbook. What what are you sensing? Is the action, is it still just hot and heavy on the playoffs at this point? Yeah, it's still just playoffs, uh, Stanley Cup. That's where we're taking most of the action in on right now. I feel like at this point I am prepared to go ahead. And you know me, I'm a huge Phoenix Suns fan. But because at the moment I can st- – I know – and by the way, they played like crap last night. But because I can still get plus money on the Warriors right now to win the NBA title, I feel like it's time – to go ahead and make that bet, Leon, because I just think that ultimately they're the team that has the most. They're the team that doesn't need to rely on any one person. And they played one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen last night, and they still ended up winning it somehow. Like, I just feel like I'm coalescing around the idea that the Warriors are the team to beat. Exactly. Yeah, you know what? I I like it too. Right now, currently, it's at uh, plus 185, so... If you're going to jump on it, jump on it now before it, it goes a little lower than that. You know what's crazy to me, too, is how much one game can swing things, by the way, like in, in when we talk about these things. Because I'm looking now at like the Eastern Conference, and the Bucks at plus 330, that's delicious to me. This is – like I get it. They lost last night. But do, do, does anybody really believe that Al Horford is going to play that way every night? Like I, I – if I'm being completely honest, I kind of had forgotten Al Horford was in the league – until last night. It's not, it's not not actually true, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, right. 
I think there's great value. I know they have to win another game on the road, but they already won a game on the road in this series. I I love the Bucks at plus three thirty in the East at the moment. Oh, I'm I'm right there with you on it. Well then, good. Well, can, can I can I Venmo you a couple? Do- uh, can I? No, I don't think it works that way in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, what specifically? What are the bets that you guys are taking the most action on when it comes to playoff basketball? It, like it's always first basket, um, first quarter bets, and also the three by two, which is uh, two plus three pointers in the first three minutes. Those are like the the top three bets that we take right now. Are you taking is is it the score of the first basket or is it the method of the first basket that gets the most action? The the method of the first basket. So what is everybody? But this is fascinating to me, Liam. What is everybody? So tonight, for example. There are two playoff games. Uh, I am obviously quite interested in Mavericks Suns. What is the bet that's getting the most? I mean, like the odds are crazy. If you want to bet this, what is the bet that's getting the most action for the first basket in the Suns Mavericks game? It's usually going to be um, a three-point field goal. That's usually what people are hammering on for first for the method of the first basket. It looks like, by the way, right now, uh, it looks like a the Luka Doncic. Other so a that would be a three. Why is there not a specific three pointer listed? So for Luka Doncic, you can bet dunk, free throw, layup, or other. Oh no, there's there, a three there pointer. Sorry, there is. I found it. I found it. I found it. So three pointers <laughs> plus twenty one hundred for Luka Doncic, and other. I guess that's just a mid range jumper. That's all the other is, right? It's, yeah, pretty much. What what else could an other possibly be? A dunk, a layup, a free throw, a three pointer. Yeah, it's just a mid range jumper, right? I'm not. There's not a, some some sort of new way to score in the NBA that's been invented that I'm missing out on. <laughs> yeah, not that I know of. So so right now the best odds are for for Luka Doncic a mid range Luka Doncic jumper at plus thirteen hundred, a DeAndre Ayton mid range jumper at plus seven fifty. Which is an odd. Like I'm a little bit surprised that that's where the best action is for DeAndre Ayton. Like that has better num that has that has better odds than a Devin Booker mid-range jumper to start the game. I guess the concept being that it feels like to start a game, teams want to go inside and establish something. Is that the reason the odds are that way? That's usually the way it, it works out. Correct. Interesting. That's really interesting. I haven't done enough math on that to figure out if I like that or not. But that's an interesting bet for tonight in the uh, the NBA games. Um, starting to take any action. Are the odds up for the PGA Championship yet? The PGA Championship? Um, they, they, they actually are up. Um, up for a little bit. We haven't had any action on it. Okay. Um, so we should definitely start seeing that here soon. We are seeing that Scotty Scheffler, coming off his win in the Masters, is the favorite at ten to one to win the PGA Championship. is It's hard to believe. Like we're we're approaching that already, and the second major of the year in terms of golf. Is is there anything else that you're just seeing people have a unique amount of interest in at this point, Leon? You know, not right now. Um, you know, like I said earlier, everyone's just basically focused on Stanley Cup and the uh, NBA Finals um, playoffs. That's that's pretty much where we're seeing all our action. Did you guys at. did you guys take Formula One action over the week? I feel like everybody on the planet was invested in the the, the stupid Formula One race down in Miami. We did have um, some wagers on it, and we actually did show it. We had uh, we had one person request to put it uh, beside the large screen because he was watching 
what we had on the big screen, and he won it right beside there. That's wild, man. It is wild, like, the amount of interest that's coming up in that. So I, I know we, I mentioned the Javante Davis fight. We're chatting with Leon Twyman from the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. I mentioned the Javante Davis fight later on this month, but the Champions League final is also coming up later on this month. And I would assume that you guys I, – I know it's not the Super Bowl because we are in America – but I assume that's going to have to be a pretty heavy day for you guys, won't it? Oh, it definitely will be. Uh, we, we definitely do have a big uh, soccer crowd as well. Usually, honestly, it, it's kind of crazy how it works out. So we're definitely an NBA yeah. um, area. Yeah. But all of our NBA players, uh, they like to bet soccer. I get well. it. I get it. They're not playing at the same time. You need some action on some. If if like if the Champions League final was happening at the same time as a you know the Eastern Conference finals, you might not be paying as much attention. But I know what this is like. I'm betting tennis during the day and basketball at night, my friend. I need something else to put some money on. Um, I'm trying to find the odds. For the, you don't happen to know what the odds are off the top of your head, do you? Uh, were you looking for Liverpool? For, for the, no, the Champions League. Yeah, the, exactly right. Uh, uh, I can't so for Liverpool right now, they are minus two twenty. Minus two twenty. Really? Again, wait, wait. This is for the Champions League final against Real Madrid. Yes. Wow. On the twenty eighth of uh, wow. May. Wow. All right. Real well, Madrid is, is plus one sixty. That is quite interesting. That is quite interesting. I might have to take a look at that number. See how I feel about that. All right. Anything else people should know, Leon Twyman, about what's going on in the FanDuel Sportsbook right now? I uh, definitely get in on those uh, 61 kiosks that we have. Open, so open 24 we seven. Take, uh, take the take the take the action on the on the kiosk. Get those same game parlays in. Um, we don't take same game parlays at our tills. They can only be done at the kiosk, and that's a good way to up those odds for those tickets. Like everything about that, and of course, open 24 seven. The uh, kiosks are so. Whatever it is that you're betting on, if you are all in on Korean baseball in the middle of the night, you can bet on it. The 61 self-service kiosks at the FanDuel Sportsbook that are open 24-7. Leon Twyman, appreciate it as always, my friend. We will catch up with you again next Tuesday, all right? All right, sounds good. Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Appreciate him taking a couple of minutes for us here this morning. Looking at a couple of, I always like to do this. So, yes, there is one NFL game, regular season game. They have not put up that, Chris, any of the games that have been announced this week, the two Monday night football games and the Christmas game, they are not up to bet. The one NFL game that is available for you to bet right now is that Chiefs-Chargers game, which is the week two Thursday night game, the first game that they're going to air on Amazon, that uh, game they announced during the NFL draft. Oh, 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 the second game has gone up. In that time, that quickly. See the power that this show holds, that simply the bets holds? You can now also bet on the Monday night game between the Titans and Bills, which is the first of the two games in week two. The second one is the Eagles-Vikings game is the uh, second part of that quote-unquote doubleheader that's not a doubleheader at all. And the, just adventure a guess, Paul, what is the line for the Bills-Titans game in week two? Yeah, you do need to have your microphone on, yes. Bills, Titans, week two? Yes, Monday Night Football. Hmm. September 19th. Bills minus six. Very close. It's Bills minus seven. Bills minus seven. Of course, the Titans, you know, like have a, a bit of a hole at wide receiver. 
However, they're probably going to run the ball a billion times. Maybe they'll have a quarterback controversy by then. Maybe by week two, there'll be a quarterback controversy in Tennessee. Isn't the Bills' def- run defense usually pretty good? Well, the front seven as a whole has definitely been bolstered uh, also with the addition of uh, Von Miller this offseason. Right. Oh, I forgot he went there. Yeah, and it's the Bills, too, that we're talking about. So yeah. that number does make a bit of sense to me at uh, minus seven. So that's the second game that is now available that uh, Eagles-Vikings game hasn't gone up on the board yet, nor has that Rams... And by the way, if you're betting the Rams-Broncos Christmas game, you have a... It's an entire NFL season away. There are so many things that could occur between now and then. There is no reason... For real. No reason why you should be betting that game. But the entire schedule will be out by Thursday, so you'll be able to bet a bunch more individual games. And if you think you, you got... I, if you think you know something, you can do it. What I would say is I would like to know a little bit more about who might get hurt, say, in training camp between now and when the games are played. Let's get a tidbit of the week. Paul, what you got for us? I got to start finding my way to a casino to play some of these bets, man, because these mm-hmm. people are just making out. A lot of people. Like, $10 bets. Well, like, a lot of people made out quite well on Rich Strike, but you would have been insane to have been betting on Rich Strike in the Kentucky exactly. Derby. And Rich Strike is not my bet. Uh, for, for yes. this, or it's not my tidbit. My tidbit is on a uh, two-leg parlay that somebody placed before the uh, Suns, Mavericks, and Heat 76ers game on Sunday. Uh, they pick, they hit on Devin Booker for a three-point field goal for the method of the first basket in the Suns, Mavericks, and P.J. Tucker, three-point field goal method of the first basket between the Heat and the 76ers. It was a $10 total wager that netted them $6,300. That's a good bet. That's a good bet, but I got a better one for you. All right. This comes from uh, Joe Pompliano, and it is related to Rich Strike. The tweet says, Rich Strike was purchased for $30,000 last year, which is a true story, and just won $1.8 million at the Kentucky Derby. But rather than train, groom, and board the horse, you could have bet $30,000 on Rich Strike to win, and you would have won $2.4 million. Think about that. Think about having $30,000 to bet. $30,000. Essentially, when he bought the horse, it was a $30,000 bet. Yeah. But it cost a lot more than $30,000 because, as they point out, That's you have true. to train the so horse. So he's saying you if, have if, to, if Rick Dawson had... If all you had done is let somebody else buy the horse and you put a $30,000 bet in, so let's say they made $1.8 million, but what if that was actually profit? I don't know, one, one, $1.5, 1.6, and it's split up um, a little bit. You would have made $2.4 million mm. instead. Now, look, that's clearly not a... A, a wise investment of any sort. There is nothing, it's not a good idea, but it is just very interesting that that's how the numbers play out. All right, that'll do it for uh, this week's edition of Simply the Bets. We will be back next Tuesday, and then next week we will also have Weekend at Bookies for you on Thursday. No Weekend at Bookies this week. Don't forget, email events at sportssocialmd.com if you want to guarantee your spot for any upcoming playoff game, event, PGA Championship, Champions League Final, uh, Javante Davis, Orlando Romero fight. You want to be there in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Email events at sportssocialmd.com to guarantee your table or your reclining chair, chairs, area, whatever it is that you're looking for. Get your email in that week. See you tomorrow for Glenn Clark Radio. This has been Simply the Bets. May the odds be ever in your favor.